welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. On South Connection, we are back with another installment of Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0, episode 10. Is I your host, Ryan Gray, with my co-host, Rocco Martone. What's up, dude? Not much, man. I'm very good. Uh, episode 10. That's exciting. That's a landmark, right? 10. If we were Jason, we'd be landmark. in... Yeah. If we were Jason Voorhees, we'd be in space by now, but this is awesome, man. I'm very excited. My other co-host, Mike Rossi. What is up, dude? What's up? I mean, WrestleMania 10. This is the 10th episode, so... Today, you're like Lex Luger chasing the title, while me and Rocco are like running around like Kona Crush and uh, uh, Macho Man. Nice. Epic reference, bro. <laughs> All right. We got a special guest host today. A guy I've been chasing for the last, I don't know, episode or two. Um, not really chasing that hard. But Jake Williams from the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. What is up, dude? I'm doing well. Um, not that hard to get, honestly. But uh, yeah, in the same time frame as uh, as Rossi just said, I might end up being the Art O'Dono of this podcast. But we'll see how it goes. But I'm excited to be on. Jake, you uh, how keen are you on talking about the modern day product? I know you're a 2002 to 2003 strictly only kind of guy on this feed. Right. I tend to be in the like where I generally keep up with everything through uh, great podcasts like this. And um, but I can't say that I watch everything religiously. It's a little overwhelming at times, just the sheer amount of wrestling. If you're going to try and keep up with with current stuff. And it's not only just that, like I feel in general, I don't always watch a ton, like even TV shows and stuff. I don't know how much stuff I really watch current besides like sports, I guess. Like a lot of times I'll just kind of let things play out and then like retroactively watch it once it's all done which you can't really do with wrestling but i generally keep up but uh not uh the encyclopedia that you are ryan oh come on man uh, i don't know i don't know how to take that now that you just kind of put the whole thing down <laughs> take it well it's good i know i'm just busting your balls buddy now hey the last time we had you on a podcast like this you predicted that the great mad cat moss would win the andre the giant memorial <laughs> battle royal um, we have a quota, and that, that quota has been met very early tonight, but I just wanted to congratulate you on your prediction of that. Thanks. I wish I could have got odds on that. I could have maybe retired early if I could have. I wonder what odds I could have got on old Madcap. Oh, not that good. Like, one to three, minus 300. Uh, the guy's purely a stud, easily favorite, and, you know, that was kind of an easy one, buddy. Got it. <laughs> What's the over-under on the guy with the worst name in wrestling history winning a battle royal? <laughs> You got it. And then after he wins it, they take his gimmick away. <laughs> all right. All right not, enough with the jokes on Madcap. It was a hang your gimmick up on the pole match after you. So instead of taking it off. <laughs> all right. Suspenders all right. on a pole. <laughs> We've met a quota. We, we, we don't have to bury the guy farther than Triple H has already. All right. Right before Oktoberfest, too, they took his suspenders away. Sorry. Go ahead. Ryan. <laughs> all good. All good. All right. Anyways, guys. So. The news of the week. Kind of a dead little week we got going on here, so uh, let's make some hay of it. Last time we did an Extreme Rules preview, so I figured we'd do a quick Extreme Rules fallout. Um, that's, you know, being two weeks from the last episode, uh, it's kind of distant news, but not really. It was a it was a very good show, I would call it, with uh, no, sh no match that really stood out 
brighter than others. Um, if I were to ask you guys, I feel that we may have each have different opinions on what was the best match of the night or the most fun match of the night or so on. So I think that is a good thing for a not so deep card, only being six matches, but a deep quality of matches. So overall, Rocco, what was your favorite match from that night? And overall, what did you feel about the pay-per-view? Uh, probably against my brand, you might expect me to say one thing, uh, but uh, I'm going to have to go with the Brawling Brutes match. That match was fucking wild, man. Like, what a match to, like, if I was any wrestler in the back, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> like, God <laughs> yeah. damn it, man. Like, you guys killed it. Um, it was such a fun, wild match. It was the perfect crowd for it. They didn't even have a, it was the first match, too. They didn't even have a preview match, which is kind of interesting, but they just fucking killed it. Everyone brought it. Like, that match just fucking ruled, man. I, I love, I love the new, more, like, shady shifty walter i loved all the fucking like double and triple teams that they did the imperium i love how there's a real pecking order to them too where they really have like he's in charge and then there's like they do what he says and he's literally shouting commands at them in the ring and all the double and triple teams they did were really organic it wasn't this crazy long setup it was just really just flowed well it was i mean it was, it was a fucking perfect like texas tornado six-man match i don't know how you didn't like watch that overall had a great time watching the show um i love the gritty stuff which is like comedy done right for the wwe which is always good to see and uh yeah i had a blast of course i'm gonna have to say uh bailey uh uh bianca was my runner-up uh one of my uh, my favorite type of ladder match which is just violent and strategic and not a flippy doom mcgee match so yeah love the card had a great night watching it yeah for sure rossi what are your thoughts on the card oh man i gotta go with finn and edge and um Looking at this card, like I, I was kind of excited for this match, but I didn't expect it to be kind of the dramatic cliffhanger that it was as the match went on. I mean, you tell me that this is in the 29 minutes after the fact, and I would have been like, wow, it didn't feel that. Um, they they kept me in, in enthralled the entire time. You know and I mean, yeah, and I really did like that Bailey match as well. Uh, and this was right after it. So they kept me up and they actually got me more excited as this match went on. Um, I, you guys probably know, I am not a Beth Phoenix fan at all. Um, I think that they hold her in a regard that I've, I'll never understand, but her, everything she did in this was, was fucking great. Um, she looked awesome. The way they introduced her into this was awesome. Um, the finish was, was great. And then like, I'm texting Ryan back and forth after. And as soon as the bell rings, re I'm, I'm saying to Ryan, like hit her, still hit her, still hit her. Um, and Rhea, Rhea did. Um, the drama in this match was awesome. It just kept building and building and building to the climax. And and I quit matches are can be a crutch. Um, and the way they did this was was so smart. Um, I I just loved every bit of this match. And I think a lot of it was I didn't have high, the highest expectations going in. Um, but just as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is this was beautifully laid out. And I'm as big of an Edge fan as anybody. And I think that was a perfect way to write him and his wife off of TV for what looks like a little bit here. Um, and, you know, whenever he comes back, it's just going to feel that much more electric. So I think he kind of needed that to kind of get out of this feud a little bit. Um, and I just think everything they did in this match made sense and it executed. Yeah. Excellent. Those were probably my two matches of the night. Also, Jake, did you happen to catch this pay-per-view? And if so, what'd you think? Yeah, I saw the majority of it. I'd probably go with Rocco. Um, the, 
anytime you can put those dudes in a Donnie Brook, uh, you're fine with me because just watching those guys beat the shit out of each other is like an automatic uh, good to great match for me. So I'd probably go with Rocco with the uh, the brawling brutes in Imperium and the very uh, slim Gunther. <laughs> I was really impressed with the ending of the the. I mean, I like Beth Phoenix a little more maybe because she's a, a Polish woman and I am a little Polish and I do like Polish women. My wife's Ukrainian, close enough. But uh, the ending of that match really kind of got me. I mean, I might have had a couple of drinks before, but when he's like sitting there and I put myself in his shoes, which is what a good storytelling should do. And I'm like, if I had to watch my wife, my wife was on the couch, like across from me doing her own thing. I was like, that would be the most maddening thing in the world. Like that is a fucking nightmare, right? Like, and they did it well. It wasn't some, someone ducked and they took a chair shot. Like this guy watched this like hit on his wife. You know, it was, it was rough if you really like, you know, break it down, man. And I, uh, it hit me hard, man, emotionally. I got into it. So, yeah, a really, really good job, man. Yeah, uh, Edge was fantastic this night. Yep. You know, you can say, like Ross, Rossi said, 29 minutes, a bit long, but it did not feel like it whatsoever. Uh, and down the stretch, like the last 15 minutes or so, when they, you know, finally got back into the ring, Edge was good. The match was good, and I had it four and a quarter, actually, which is kind of high, I thought, but I actually rewatched it. And it delivered. When they finally got back into the ring, it was just, it was on physicality-wise and just emotion-wise, too. And, you know, kudos to Ed's. And, and I think Jake may, or Rossi, one of you guys may know this. What show did Edge land? And what part was that? Do either one of you guys know? It's a Disney show. Um, I need to look that up really quickly because I don't know the name of it. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. How yeah. big is yeah. Disney Plus series? I think that's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the books were kind of contemporaneous to the Potter, and they're just a sub below Potter books back in the day. And their movies didn't really get over very well, but it's a big property, man. Mm-hmm. So it's a big yeah, property. It's 2024. It's 2024 release. Um, and I mean, I don't think anything Disney produces at this point is is small, you know. Yeah. Right. I'm sure it's probably a bigger deal than some of the like. I don't know what else has Edge done as far as like acting. Right. I'm I'm guessing this is probably his most high profile thing. Um, yeah, I would I would consider it almost like a, a great value Potter, which great value Potter is still pretty fucking big. Yeah, and if it goes if it gets over well, like it's endless. There's mm-hmm. a million books in that series, and uh, he could have a job for a very long time doing that uh, show. Cool. So, you know, just to bring that up, just to kind of allude to how good of an actor this guy has really become, he kind of gets a knock from some people, you know, haters or whatever, saying that, you know, he's an overactor. He, you know, he drags shit out, which is not a not not true. But like just like last year in the Hell in a Cell with Rollins, he was fantastic facially and emotionally and everything like that. So, you know, when that guy hits, he hits on a, on a high cylinder and uh, that match came through. And kudos to Finn, too. He really brought it to those three coup de grace looked fucking awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just the urgency and the velocity that Finn showed, fake or not, was really awesome, too. And then just Finn's acting, too, you know, just being that little dickhead heel and then Rhea and then Dom's sm- smarminess. And then in Priest, it really has found a role, too. We'll get into the Judgment Day in a little bit, too. Just being that, like, that that fifth third like yeah 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 fuck you kind of guy you know what i mean like the the muscle but like also the shithead friend that like rallies the troops in a way and eggs everyone on so you know we'll get into them in a little bit later but kudos to the judgment day they're kind of finding a groove and kudos to edge that was a home run of a match um real quick i had bailey and bianca at 
three and a half to three and a quarter. And then I had um, Rollins at like three and a half with Riddle in the fight pit. Uh, Cross didn't really make the cut, like low twos, two, two and a half. And then, uh, yeah, that other match was just not gradable. It was two. <laughs> if that, It was fine at best. How, you know, about, okay, but. Uh, how about DC? He looked like he was ready for a Brock match, didn't he? <laughs> not at all. What they uh Urkel's neighbor dad was at Carlton Banks or no, that's the other show. <laughs> Dude, I just kept saying he looked like Keenan Thompson from SNL playing <laughs> Daniel Cormier. Oh, well, yeah, he ain't ready for a Brock match. Yeah, <laughs> what's so what? Oh, one so thing, much. one shout I've got, one shout I've got about the Bailey Bianca match is that fucking finish, man. The, yeah, that, I, I thought Bianca got um, Joey Mercury on that finish. The way that that went. Yeah, that was that was built well too. With without Rocco talked about that a little bit too. Um, very good match. You know, not and not an epic, but it you know it was very good. You kind of uh, didn't know who was going to win it, and then like that last two minutes, they did a really good job. I mean, you kind of figured Bianca was gonna when when Ronda won, but still. Um, they, they definitely hooked you those last couple of minutes that maybe Bailey could. Yeah. And even that, just that brief moment where they had the edge and John edge and big show spot where, uh, John Cena would give them the FU at WrestleMania 25. She did that to damage control EO in, uh, Dakota and it didn't, wasn't perfect, but it was still an awesome free to strength. And, you know, Bianca crushes those roles and it shouldn't be perfect. She's picking up no. two humans and throwing them. Right. So that's perfect. The way it would work. The, the chaos of it. Yes. Loved it. But um, anyways, so Extreme Rules closed out with the White Rabbit reveal. There was speculation between us the last month or so that Bray Wyatt would be the White Rabbit, and it came to fruition that he was the White Rabbit. Um, at the end of the Fright Pit match, DC and Riddle were walking to the back, and Rollins was walking out through the crowd, and then you seen the lights go out. They did the whole old NXT gimmick where uh, with the AOP and the the ladder match with DII where they show the closing credits. So he was kind of, you know, Triple H going back to the bag a little bit there. He did that in NXT a few times, but they showed that. And I, I knew it was kind of bullshit, but you know, they let it sit for a little Rollins did, you know, Riddle did a nice job raving away with DC. It went dark. And then they just had this epic 10 minutes or so of just the reveal. And uh, I thought it was awesome. I th- you know, it was just so beautiful optic wise. The production of this is fucking fantastic where, you know, the blue lighting, they, they rush out and get that like Alice in Wonderland stage door kind of in a way, which opens up and then it kind of has a little fun house rundown. But like in a in a dark, sinister um, rundown, like abandoning type of fun house way. And then they had the reveal of the five characters characters throughout the crowd that looked a little cosmic, like a little bit too much, like like costumicky weird but it worked with the vibe where it's just kind of like what's going on here obviously it's bray but is it just gonna is are we going to get quote unquote bray or are we gonna get the reveal of the white rabbit being bray so the build-up was cool all that stuff was cool and then when the door opened the blue light and um i at first i honestly did think of Brody lee obviously i didn't think Brody lee was coming out but i thought of Brody lee being with his vignettes with that same color blue so i thought that was really cool by bray to you know call back to that in a way or just pay homage to his fallen friend or whatever um so i thought that was really cool i picked up on that right away i thought that was cool and then the mask the mask is very uh 
you guys will know. Where, where's Jenny for freak out driving that horror mask? I don't fucking know. That horror mask was cool. And then you kind of look like this frumpy, dumpy dude. <laughs> the lighting of the angle was not perfect for Bray. But when he took the mask off, holy fuck, what a war, road warrior pot, man. That fucking thing was huge. And then he went to the old, the lantern was there with the blue color. He turned the switch and blew it off. And then we went home. It was beautiful. Rocco, what did you think of that? I, I loved it. I had a, yeah. I was, uh, I was very into it. Uh, the, the mask is very reminiscent of the movie Black Phone, which just came out, and that was done by Tom Savini. Uh, his uh, crew created that. He's the same guy that did uh, Bray's uh, Fiend mask, and uh, he's like a legendary effects guy. He did Dawn of the Dead, Friday the Thirteenth, a million things. Um, I love the, I love humanizing him. Are we gonna talk about his SmackDown now, or are we gonna wait to do that? Just keep going. No, just, uh, just kind of just the reveal of the of uh, everything, and then I'll ask it was a, it was a, it was great. It was a great goosebumpy moment, and uh, I like that it was Bray Wyatt. It was him, the person, and uh, just left more uh, more options. Yeah, Rossi, do you have the the name of the mask, or what do you have? To, to Uncle, to that? it's Uncle Howdy, Uncle Howdy, man. That that's okay. a split personality, I think. Which we'll get into that. Um, but what I really liked about the the kind of the intro was the cliffhanger of it to the extent because, you know, there's six people that were really part of that. And, and you know, he's been teasing Wyatt six. So that kind of left the door open. If you want to do a stable with it, that left the door open. If it's going to be the six personalities of Bray, um, you know, he'll just double up on Mick Foley and go to six. Um, but there's, there's a bunch of different ways you can go just from that visual. Like, um, were they really people in the crowd? Like there's so many different ways that he can turn that, that into a story. Um, and where they, they brought it back on SmackDown, he didn't really elaborate on those people. So um, that's what I really liked about the fact is the door is still open and this is going to be a very slow burn. This is not going to be a situation where, you know, he might not interact with another wrestler for weeks and months at this point, you know, it's, it's going to be just him kind of, playing out this character, us learning a little bit more each week and every week us asking questions about what we just saw. And um, I'm into that. So I'm very curious to see where they go this week with it. And, you know, we'll talk about it and everything, but the gradual buildup of this is going to probably be pretty fantastic weekly TV. Yeah. Now Jake, as a, uh, as a wishy-washy viewer, did the white rabbit live up to the hype and did it draw you in to become a full-time viewer or did it draw you into watching extreme rules that night? or weekend whenever you did um i don't know if it draw me in as a regular viewer but i think it did live up to the hype in that i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure this would would have been like this was the ideal for most people right that it was going to be bray like if they would have tried it out like you know corbin or something it would have <laughs> kind of probably fallen flat and so imagine that i mean I, right so it it definitely lived up in that sense and i think people wanted to see him back i mean most of the most of what I've seen from people is they're pretty excited about it. Um, the whole thing. And I, I, and I'm like with Rocco, I guess we'll get to it in a second, but the return promo I thought was honestly more interesting than even the white rabbit stuff. Like the white rabbit stuff definitely felt to me like, um, it was a lot of WWE wanting to be like a quote unquote, like media company, like doing all this kind of different media stuff, which is cool, but it, it feels very WWE. The more interesting part to me was the uh, the return promo was the thing that maybe hooked me in more than the uh, the White Rabbit stuff because the White Rabbit was good and it works, but also in a weird way it's kind of always been my I guess the thing I don't always like about Bray and that I feel like a lot of his stuff is it's a lot about the aesthetic, but I feel like I struggle to find anything past the aesthetic, right? 
Yeah, it was so it was a reveal that it was Bray, but it, the White Rabbit, quote unquote, was not a reveal. Like, what is the White Rabbit? And we'll probably get mm-hmm. into that as we kind of lean into the SmackDown side of things here, where we for the last ten Jesus Christ, first of all, did they really draw us in and hook us sink line and sinker? Bray's coming up next. Nope. Oh, just kidding. Here, here comes Raquel Gonzalez and Bray. More updates on Bray, and then they, they kind of have a rundown in Extreme Rules halfway through the show, and then they're like, "All right, finally Bray's coming at like 9:45." We're like, "Jesus, fuck you guys! You really sunk us in and fucking grabbed us there." But they were saying up next from the opening segment on. But anyways, um, so the final 10 minutes of SmackDown, you you get the blue lights and you get Bray. There's no mask. There's the lantern. He comes out in like a Walmart black T-shirt, and then he's just like. He's got his hair up and he's just pretty much saying like this is Wyndham Rotunda without saying Wyndham Rotunda in a way pretty much. And uh, it did it kind of seemed to me that he really just wanted to thank the fans and, you know, be thankful he's back. And he was not in a good spot the last year and a half after his release. And then a few friends of his, his seems like, like they passed away and he was just distant and he was just not in a good space at times. And then really just thanking the fans for being there, sending him great messages, videos, yada, 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 to kind of get him through dark times. And then just the overreaction of of the potential of the White Rabbit and then just the buzz living up to it and the unbelievable. Can you imagine how he felt when he uh, when he heard that initial pop at Extreme Rules when he took the mask off? That's like a monster pop like since from we haven't heard that since like wrestlemania stone cold or wrestlemania cody rhodes reveal you know that's that's like a big boy pop that you get like once or twice a year and uh he was able to elicit that and you know that's big time for him that that's just say that people care uh they they've done a great job with the qr codes and really the the world's in his hands too to kind of and in their hands to really deliver here so it kind of felt like it, this you're this they're laying out Wyndham Rotunda. This was Wyndham Rotunda, and then at the end of Wyndham Rotunda's thing, you kind of had that mask pop up. So Rocco, now is that mask an alter ego? Is that someone talking to him like in an alter ego? Um, I'm gonna throw a lot at you here. Is the Wyatt six is gonna become a thing? Is it like Wyatt sixes where it's like five senses that complete? that come together and bring the Wyatt into six and like the pig is a sense and the rabbit's a sense and the witch is a sense and yada, yada, yada. And they're actually not people. And they're like figments of his imagination and they're parts of his personality and parts of his being and parts of his past and yada, yada, yada. Cause Ab- in the, before it was Abigail that would talk to him and taught him. He didn't, he was a loner growing up and Abigail showed him the way of life and took him in and it became his sister and showed him when he was alone dark and deep abigail showed him the light and showed him how to be and created the monster within him and now is that like time six now quote unquote with the wyatt six or is the wyatt six like an actual stable bo dallas alexa bliss uh Liv morgan gacy grayson waller gate whoever you know what i mean are they actually figments? Are they people? Are they imaginatory? And does this mask hold a power to him because he took the mask off and he was Bray? And that's a lot. But what the fuck's going on? And I, for the record, I love not knowing. Rocco, the floor is yours. Agree about not knowing. Um, I like that he did not come out with the mask on SmackDown. So showing that there is a difference between what he was doing. Um, you didn't really mention. First off, Captain Howdy. Uh, the uncle, Captain Howdy is the name of the demon in the exorcist 
it's what Pazuzu's name. It was kind of called that uh, behind the scenes. So there is a little, there's something there to that probably as well. Um, you didn't mention the, the music, which I thought was incredible. Yes. Um, awesome. Code I thought, Orange, right? Yes, I believe, yeah, Code Orange. But I, I loved how it worked where um, the beginning of the song is like super chaotic and there's a, the, yes. the drums are very, uh, uh, they're not off time, but they're just, it's very chaotic and, um, when the music kicks in, the, the the vocals are very emotionally triumphant, kind of. And that's kind of, I think it encapsulates, like, the, the character arc that he's gone now, which is, it's a redemption arc, right? So there was, like, all the trepidation and chaos in the beginning of the song, which I guess is kind of what he's been going through, maybe even, even when he was in the WWE and when he's been away, as he's been alluding to. And when that music kicks in, that's, like, the triumph and the redemption. So I think that music is perfect the way it is and uh, really nailed the, the vibe of the whole thing. I do not think it's a faction or I don't want it to be a faction. I think it's better if it's something else. Like you kind of laid it out pretty well that it could be different personality traits or something like that. I think a faction would be a little, uh, I don't know, maybe a little on the nose. Like he's doing something he didn't do before. Like everyone was like, oh, he's going to come back to Fiend. And I'm like, I don't like, and I think I said, like, why would he do that? He's never come back as the same thing. Right. So this is a, a human character that could slowly evolve. And yeah, like you're saying, that could be someone else that could be himself talking to himself. And uh, uh, yeah, so I think, or it could just be a philosophy, you know, why six would just be like, he could be like a, the dentist system and always sunny. It could just be some kind of thing that he just <laughs> has to, uh, you know, the way he does stuff, you know, uh, <laughs> deny or whatever. So yeah, I think it's, it's cooler if it's that way. And I think it was like really well done. And the, uh, the humanizing of the character is just something that really appealed to me. And uh it's very exciting to see where it's going to go. But yeah, that music really stood up, uh, stood out yes. to me, man. Yes. Now, Jake, do you have anything to throw in here before we kind of move on and I get throw one more volley at Rossi? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Rocco. I kind of like that they, they humanized him a bit. And I'm hoping wherever they go, I mean, yeah, I don't know where it's going either, but wherever they go with it, I just hope it translates into like good wrestling angles and not where they get so caught up in the, the Bray Wyatt lore and the, you know, like I said, the aesthetics and what masks and shit he's going to wear. And like, how does it actually translate into something that's going to work on a wrestling show? That's going to come off as something that kind of bridges the, those two things, like his whole, you know, all his characters and all this shit. And how does that actually translate into something like I want to watch on a wrestling show? If maybe, you know, all the mask and all that kind of stuff is, is cool to look at and probably more if you're into that sort of thing more. But I want to see how do they be like, is he going to have like a faction that's going to, you know, because I think one of his weaknesses is kind of his entering stuff. So how do you kind of work around that? I think even people who are into the Fiend stuff like would definitely admit that some of the matches definitely left a lot to be desired. So what do you do in that case? Like, how are they going to actually work him back in the show now that he's here and he's got to be on a wrestling show doing wrestling angles and making all this work. Is he going to wrestle matches? Is he going to kind of have his minions do his bidding? Is he going to have these personalities that wrestle? Like, how is that going to work? I, I think, yeah, I think the thing with the wrestling, too, the style is, like, I feel like there was a very strong Vince McMahon influence on his wrestling style where, like, Kane, Kane had to wrestle a certain way forever, right? And he's very into, like, a guy wrestles the way they look or they are, you know? And, like, I think maybe with the taken away because like, this guy was in one of the greatest like six-man matches of all time and like you know i know like he might have been mm -hmm. say he was the sixth best guy in there but he was in there and he did all this shit i've never had as big of a problem as people do but i feel like maybe with the reins off a little bit he can have and without the junk and I've, I've, i was saying this how 
I don't think it's ever supposed to, in his conception, been a supernatural character. And I think mm-hmm. that the people that wrote that character or was in control of it didn't understand a character who used my like who fucked with people. So they were like, oh, he's supernatural, obviously. And they had all the dumb shit. But I don't think it was ever intended that way. I don't think it was ever supposed to be that way. So I think without that on top of it, too, he could really blossom and have the things like what you guys are saying, where it could really branch out in ways it never did before. Because I feel like the reins were on him to just you have to wrestle this way and you're a supernatural guy. It's like I don't think either of those mm-hmm. was late. Yeah, it's really just like the no selling of it all and the fiend of it all. But that's and that's a very keen. Yeah, that's a very keen like way to make a guy who looks like that wrestle. And I feel like that might be someone else's influence on his wrestling. Yeah, that just could be adds wrong, no long-term depth right. to the character or the or the actual wrestler. Or just and interest in like a match where you just mm-hmm. kind of watch this guy wrestle that same kind of early Undertaker style, right? Right. Because well, if you if you think, I mean, the obvious comp is always Undertaker. When did Undertaker like? I feel like really like the character was always over, but he really I think took the next step when he kind of he still had that character, but he kind of put it together more. Like they didn't always lean so heavily on his matches, and like you said, Rocco, maybe that's the the way to go now. Is that he can have all this be his character, but maybe when the matches go, you kind of don't lean, you know, where he's using, you know, where it's they they rely on it so much when he's in ring. Like maybe tone it back a bit when he's having an actual match. Right, and now he's a human now, so maybe it'll be a little different, right? See the hu- This is this is the American badass version. Oh God, please no. <laughs> that's why i thought like of the five like the five senses or whatever like the non-selling the non-hurt fiend side um is a side that they kind of just relied on but i don't mind that being like a character trait but it can't be a presentation of a wyatt you know what i mean so i don't know either or i'm not really sure rossi who is who in what is bray wyatt the fiend Wyndham Rotunda going to who is he going to target and what is he going to target and what is his goal <laughs> that's the part like I don't yeah. even know what the character is yet you know what I mean um like to kind of compound on the six again like I've I've seen theories where there's there's all the six is really every could be every phase of Bray's WWE run um Huskis Husky Harris um, Mercy NXT Bray, um, Abby the witch was um, Sister Abigail, and then she died, so now she wears black veils because Orton burnt the house down. Um, Rambling Rabbit could be Wyndham Rotunda himself, um, Fiend being the the Fiend, and the sixth person could be Uncle Howdy. Um, so it's it's fucked up in that that case because we don't really know. It's tough to predict who his opponent is because I don't know if he's a babyface. Or if he's a demonic heel, or if he's got some characters that are coming that are baby faces and some characters that are heels. So that's why I'm thinking. I think the focus now isn't even on his opponent, but it's or his first opponent. But it's about what is he? What is this story? And and with the amount of confusion that we get, you know, continuously added in, like the White Rabbit stuff. Like, what was that? Was that Bray? Was that Wyndham Rotunda? Was that um, Uncle Howdy? Was, you know, what's the situation there? And then they also um, have Uncle Harper tra- trademarked, which that's Luke Harper. Um, obviously, that's another callback to Brody. Um, how does that get introduced? Does that get introduced on SmackDown this week? Um, what is the people that were in the crowd? Like, are those going to become 
you know, NXT calls ups or are those going to become uh, Liv Morgan? Like, because the other thing, too, is like Liv, like I sent this to you, Ryan, a couple of days ago when Liv did the table spot backstage with um, Sonya Deville. If you were paying attention, which obviously Twitter does, um, there was a some sort of figure in the background in a black hood just staring at the Bray Fly logo. Um, so it does that. And then Liv went black the night of Extreme Rules. So did Rollins, but maybe they weren't connected. And Rollins just did that because he was depressed because he lost. So obviously I don't think Seth Rollins is involved with it, but I can see the lane where Liv is if they bring his brother in who lives, Liv is basically married to. Um, so there's so many different ways that they go with it. It's tough to predict who the first opponent's going to be because I don't even know what he is yet. Um, I know what I think he is, but I don't know for sure. Um, I mean, if you can push it out long enough that it's cross, then that probably makes sense because he's probably going to crush and eat the first person he faces. And it definitely seems like we're closer to that with cross, um, than we were when cross got introduced. Um, so it could be Drew. It could be, yeah, it could be <laughs> Drew. It could be Cross. It could be both of them at the same time. Um, are these guys involved with War Games? What is War Games? Um, there's so many questions in WWE right now. Um, we are like four weeks away from four or five weeks away from Survivor Series, and there's really no telling as to what this War Games match is going to be. Um, and I don't think Bray is involved with it. So. What is his integration going to be when there's a, a Survivor Series pay-per-view, there's a Saudi Arabia pay-per-view coming up, and then there's nothing to the Rumble, which then the Rumble is mania season. So you could theoretically keep Bray out of a feud until something leading into the Rumble, um, because that I feel like is going to be like a restart for WWE anyways, because I feel like a lot of their stories now are things that kind of had to be killed off from the Vince regime, you know? Um, so I kind of, that's why I like that, that gap between survivor series and rumble is what it is because it, it's going to give them room to breathe and kind of reset. And I feel like we're probably a solid month or two away from Bray, even interacting with another wrestler, unless it's something that he's like sucking into, you know, fall under his spell like Alexa did, you know? Yeah. We'll see. But if, you know, if it's Triple H has a pattern of booking, it's going to be Chad Gable, who's his first opponent. All right. So, <laughs> I don't know. That's the Bray Wyatt and the extreme rules of it all. I would call it overall a big, big success and very intriguing. We just rambled on about Bray Wyatt for, you know, well over, what, 15 minutes. And we just laid out a bunch of scenarios and none of us know. And we're all pretty, I would consider all four of us smart wrestling minds. So, we'll see. But, oh, breaking ESPN news here, there was a WWE trade. Rey Mysterio to SmackDown and Baron Corbin to Raw. Now, uh, Rey Mysterio ended up on SmackDown, and he went to Triple H to go to quit. Triple H said, well, let me come up with a scenario, Rey. Well, I don't, I don't want you to quit. I understand all the trauma you're going through with your son, and I understand you're not wanting to deal with that and fight your own family. So they went into a room. Um, little did we know, Ray Mysterio gave Triple H COVID in that room. But anyways, um, <laughs> we're we're gonna move past that and yada yada yada. Ray Mysterio found himself in the Intercontinental Championship number one contender match at the end of the night, and he won it. So Ray Mysterio is now on SmackDown as the number one contender for the Intercontinental Champion against Gunther. And on the other side of this trade, we had 
JBL returned to Raw, limousine and all, looking in his 2003 NBA draft fit, looking fly as fuck, and um, kind of just got in the ring, got a big, big pop in Oklahoma, and then he just healed up the crowd in classic JBL fashion, shitting on Oklahoma, calling them rednecks, the real states down in the Red River, past the Red River in Texas, um, shitting on Oklahoma scoring zero points against a lonely Texas team, yada, yada, yada. And then um, he revealed that his, I don't know if it was a client, a um, a partnership, or call it what, whatever you want, but he called the next wrestling god Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin would come out in a questionable entire. I'm not sure what to make of that, but I guess um, it was less than 48 hours before, you know, kind of getting the call to go to Raw. So uh, that's very Vince McMahon-esque, but I guess that's the uh, the rumor on the uh, for the wardrobe, I guess malfunction we'll call it. But uh, anyways, Corbin coming out looking like shit, <laughs> just to put it straight. Um, and then to go on to be this wrestling god, JBL-like character in a way, and has a 17-minute stinker with Dolph Ziggler. And that wasn't a fine match, sure. It was fine. It was good in spots, but... If JBL is going to go out there and present Baron Corbin as like the work rate wrestling God and have just like kind of troll us being, you know, kind of in a work rate era, Baron Corbin and JBL, not specifically work rate guys. Um, JBL has had a handful of good matches. Baron Corbin, not so much very light (laughs) few, but Baron Corbin has strong attributes that um, JBL should highlight. But in the role of JBL leading him to a wrestling god character, sure, is it trolling? Yes, but to really go out there and wrestle for 14, 15, 16 minutes and just really have an absolute snooze fence against a good wrestler, Adolph Ziggler, is not really the lane or the upside that I think this partnership would have. So uh, overall, Jake, what do you think of great value wrestling god Baron Corbin? Yeah, like you said, I don't know if that's the best way to go, like... It's fine if it the JBL return it just seems so random. It's like a it's like oh, a wrestling mat like a mad lib, like you know, like all right, we have <laughs> JBL's gonna manage Corbin and like you said, Corbin comes out with the like it was those the flesh color on his pants was what threw me off. Cause at first when he came out, it kind of just looked like his legs and it looked like he had like a loincloth on or something, like a piece of leather covering his crotch. So it was, it was odd. And it also doesn't fit JBL. Like you would think JBL would tell him like, what the hell are you dressing like kid? This looks like shit. Like it's kind of, and maybe that, who knows, maybe that's where they go with it, where it's like JBL, like whipping him into to shape and making him look like a, you know, a businessman or some shit, who knows. But um, I like the randomness of it. I like JBL healing off. I think it could work if they go the right way. But like you said, I think the wrong way to go is to try and go too meta with it and make it be like, well, he's a heel because you don't think he's a good wrestler. So we're going to put him in these 20 minute matches and we know he's not doing it. And like, he's going to troll you by proving that he can't like, that's not the way to go. Like, it's just, it's overthinking it. And it's not the way to utilize this. Just kind of have JBL be a good heel manager have him be a strong heel wrestler and go that route. Like you don't need to do all this weird meta bullshit about him being a wrestling God trolling the fans because a lot of fans don't like him. I'm, I'm with you on that, Ryan. I don't think that is a, I don't think that's going to be successful if that's the way they want to go. Now, do you agree that he has strong attributes too, that could work within JBL's like kind of quote kayfabe vision? Cause you know, he does some, do some decent things. Corbin is okay. At the end of the day, he's just not, what they presented 
Right. No, I think so, too. I think he could be a good, like, power wrestler kind of guy. Again, not 18-minute matches. Go in there and have, like, go in there and beat Dolph Ziggler in four minutes in pretty convincing fashion. That's what I think you should do. And then have JBL just on the mic hyping him up that he's this, you know, that he's this beast. You know, it's it doesn't he doesn't have to be like the greatest wrestler. He could just be a big ass dude that beats people up. Yeah. And like, well, first, first off, that could be like he could just be punching the fuck out of guys. And JBL's like, right. look at this wrestling god. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like that's, that's the what thing to do. to do. Yeah. But they're doing right. Like, like they're what, almost like what JBL was right. Like, yeah. And when he was like Bradshaw, you know. Yeah, and they're almost saying like the is it real because he's having a good match like they're it, like you're saying it's very weirdly meta in a way that didn't need to be that way where that could be the whole gimmick and it's like almost like a bad version of when Mick Foley stopped doing hardcore in ECW and he was just like I'm just gonna have regular wrestling matches but he's still having well he still did do like chin lock stuff but that was purposely trolling smart fans in 1995 or six whatever mm-hmm. five this is on the WWE show saying well he's so boring like that's the joke. So, yeah, and yeah, it doesn't make sense. And this combination, I, I hate condiments. This is like mayonnaise and mustard together. I fucking hate it. But I do, when you mentioned that, Talk I do about like wardrobe or the, or the, or the, <laughs> these, two, these two gentlemen together. I just cannot deal with this gotcha. fucking combination. Um, two worst guys to go on a fucking road trip with ever. Um, but the, the make the makeover thing might be interesting because didn't he have like Julian Hall do that in his cabinet thing? So maybe he like, makes him over like like when he started the cabinet it wasn't like jillian hall his like uh like uh, fashion consultant or something so she came in and like dressed him up differently i don't know so maybe something like that could happen to make this more interesting but still like yeah i don't want to watch this fucking match real quick so corbin all right so corbin's reinvented the character a few times they couldn't give him fucking new theme music here if you're going to slightly reinvent the, the gimmick again, I think they tweaked it a little bit, but he shouldn't be a slot machine guy. Like that was his last gimmick that he kind of killed off. Right. Like, why are we still, he should have a different theme. Like what, let him wear whatever like, he, country. Up, yeah. Up. It had like a twist to it, but it was still the fucking lottery. I mean, it was still the slot machines and <laughs> every, it was just not, it wasn't a separation enough from what he was prior like, then why did he go away? He came back as the same guy with a new manager. Like, it, I'm not following that side of it, and I feel like it was a rush job. Um, and maybe they'll change his music, like, next week. But you can't do that shit. You got to do it all at once. Uh, I felt that they kind of put a little twang into it. And I feel like it's kind of like the, the the wardrobe looked like the King costume that he would wear in a way. And then, like, he had the, 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 the happy Corbin smile and then he had the sad Corbin realization of like why JBL is there to kind of bring him back up. And then you had the, and then he was kind of wrestling like the lone wolf in a way where it would be like a little, just kind of like jerky and herky and kind of impactful and, you know, like, you know, rugged or whatever. So this kind of felt like a twist of all of his shit together, but overall, I don't know, maybe he's got to work out the quinks. You know, to be fair, it's just the first week, let him work it out or whatever. Describing the, the, cor- the, the, the Corbin week. Six right there. Is that the yeah, Corbin apparently six? right. <laughs> yeah, right. But but like I hope I really hope that that JBL and this probably isn't going to happen, but I'm hopeful JBL came back to like reintroduce him, and then hopefully JBL fucks off. Like I don't need JBL on TV with his baggy dress pants every week. Like I, I I'm done with it. Like I don't I did I don't miss that character on TV at all. I don't mind him as an announcer, 
but he's just, I don't know. It's the same promo every time. There's nothing for me. Yeah, he gets heat. Anyways, but Rey Mysterio versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Champion. Rocco, that's the match I didn't know I really wanted that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's, I thought it was a really cool reveal that, you know, this the threat of the show at the opening SmackDown. Drew took out Cross in the in the parking lot, and then they had the the fatal four way for the SmackDown Championship announced earlier in the day on Twitter, in social media, and then you had the thread through the night of kind of Rey Mysterio quitting. Triple H pulling him in like I talked about. All right, let's make a deal. And then I think they did a really good job of having all the entrances and then the delay of who's the fourth man and then Booyaka Booyaka. And then, oh, wow. Like, I just got excited for Booyaka Booyaka. And, like, I never really get excited for Rey Mysterio. Uh, Rey's on a low-key renaissance. We'll get a little bit into that later, too. But um, And then he won and he got a big pop. Like, whole, and the realization of, wow, Gunther versus Rey Mysterio. Fuck, that's going to be good. What do you think, Rocco? Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of getting him away from being, like, an emotional family uh, man. I just want my kids back, Rey Mysterio, and give me, like, lucha fucking wrestling god Rey Mysterio. Um, I don't need all the uh, stuff tied in. And him as a giant killer is a thing that he's done. Like, that's a character he's done, like, starting in WCW with Nash and the Taker match and even, like, against Brock, which is a match I don't really care for. But, like, I would love for them to really hype up and they do a really good job lately of using old footage and, and cool packages for like show that he's a giant killer. I mean, Kunta's not a fucking giant like those guys, but he's a big motherfucker compared to Ray. So like, I think that's a really cool story to tell. I mean, it almost could seem like a, a show long thing, right? Where you could really build up to that. If that's the main event on SmackDown, when it's going to be, I don't know, but like, yeah, I think that would be really cool. And this is the Ray I kind of want to see. I was not that into like, like I said, emotional family man, Ray. So this is the kind of Ray I want to see. And yeah, that match, has the potential to like you know steal the show like Gunther is a and both those guys are uh, like to do like perfect. Now Jake, do you feel that Ray kayfabe wise now? Do you feel that Ray Mysterio will regret wanting to get away from his son on like the eighth chop from Gunther? Do you be like all right, just give me the emotional baggage from my son and oppose from these fucking massive chops? What do you think, Jake? I would take as many chops as possible to get away from Dominic. <laughs> I like Gun- I like Gunther chop me till the cows come home to get away from Dominic. Oh jeez, oh poor Dominic, poor Dominic. Emancipation through chops, your kid died. Right. <laughs> All right, my final question here: Rossi is um, trading going to be a thing and a band aid they are going to use till we get to the who knows whenever the next WWE draft is. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's not going to happen until after Mania, which seems to be the case at this point, because it doesn't really make sense to do it now if, you're, if it didn't happen already until after Mania. But, I mean, it makes sense. The way they did it makes sense, because Ray really, without Edge around, he shouldn't be near his kid, because then his kid needs room to breathe without that, right? Um, if, if Dom's ever going to be a thing, it's not going to be in a feud with his dad. I just don't think that's going to happen. So... It's probably Ray probably doesn't want to do it. It's whatever. Um, some people want to do it, some don't. So it made sense too. You know, you kind of were waiting on Corbin. There's only so much shit you can put on a two-hour SmackDown now with Bray there, um, and you know, Bloodline being here one week, some weeks they're not. Um, at least you know, Roman side of it. Um, so I think that it makes good sense. And and Ray, Gunther, and and Saudi, which I'm assuming is what they're doing, is is a cool match because I know Ray's over there. 
Um, and that optic of Walter and him, I mean, Walter's always had good matches with uh, smaller guys. Um, and it's going to be a very fun escape when we just saw the Sheamus feud, which was like, you know, that toe to toe brutality thing. Now we got to see Gunther show his chops in a different way. And, you know, the matches with Ricochet were good and, and Ray's, you know, right there at this point as well. So um, I'm very interested to see how that match comes together. I thought it made sense. But as far as the trading goes, yeah, um, when it makes sense, do it. Just don't overdo it. Real quick, a little exercise here. Starting with you, Rocco. Give me a fake WWE trade you'd like to see. Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, we'll send uh, Chompy to uh, SmackDown. I feel like get him away from Gargano so they don't have to be together. And uh, hmm, does it have to be this? Um, how about we send JBL to GCW and he could get a fucking white tube shoved up his ass by Hoodfoot? We do that. Oh, he would be electric in GCW just shitting on all that. I'm actually kind of here for that. Uh, I'd rather him just get murdered. But yeah, yeah, how about that? All right, perfect. Jake, fake WWE trade. That's what we're here for, buddy. Um, let's go so we can use NXT. Sure. Let's get a uh, let's get all uh, Braun Breaker somewhere. I don't know. Put him on put him on SmackDown. I don't know. Maybe he's just traded for uh, ca- draft picks or something. I don't know. Cash <laughs> considerations. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> this is not going well, Rossi. Save us here. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's get Oscar on SmackDown, get her back as a single, um, and get her out of whatever bullshit she's been stuck in the last couple months. Um, but they just they kind of want to push her, they don't. Um, and then let's send Shotzi to Raw, because um, I feel like she could develop more into a character with the added time. Um, and you know, she can probably work a little bit better with the EOs and um, Dakotas of the world than what she's really stuck working with in on SmackDown. Nice. And my yeah. fake WWE, my fake WWE trade is sending Becky Lynch to SmackDown and sending Charlotte Flair to Raw for the obviously, you know, Bianca versus Charlotte in Ronda versus Becky. Um, I, whenever they return, I would return them at the same time and I would. Uh, use them to establish quote-unquote trading as a thing so you know two big names to kind of make trading you know how you said sometimes they say the belt makes the wrestler this time the wrestler makes the trading so that's what i would use there all right guys so that is the let's hit some quick news here day one has been canceled rumor they're going to be less wwe ple's Jake, if you're not, I know you're not common, but PLE is premium mm-hmm. live events. No. Oh, okay. Not with, <laughs> not with Barry Bonds was taking. I got it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So under Triple H, it seems like he wants to cancel all the kind of gimmicky Hell in the Cell, I guess Extreme Rules, even though he just had it. And it seemed like he kind of liked booking Extreme Rules, you know, taking a backseat to it and looking at hindsight. It's kind of, I felt like he enjoyed Extreme Rules as a booker. Um, T, uh, I guess he's going to keep Elimination Chamber, but kind of the gimmicky bullshit he wants to get rid of. I love getting rid of Hell in a Cell. Let's use that when it warrants it. But um, less kind of is more with Triple H. Um, it's, it's rumored that Triple H wants to just have big events being Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Elimination Chamber in Saudi, uh, a UK PLE, SummerSlam, uh, an additional Saudi show about this around this time in Survivor Series and then probably Money in the Bank sprinkled in. So what's that, seven or eight shows? Uh, you would favor for that lighter schedule and then kind of if they just do big Raws and big Smackdowns in between. 
Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. And another thing about it is it's just, in a broader sense, just the idea that there's a, a different mindset to it, I think is good, just to freshen things up. Like, again, I think some of those are fine, like, because Extreme Rules is, is so broad. I mean, you can do a lot of things with Extreme Rules. Hell in the Cell, the issue with that is, like, you're kind of reined into that one match, which is the tough part. Um, and I, So, overall, I just like that it ch- continues to show that they're trying to switch things up and there's, like, a... I guess like some new energy and everything and, you know, who knows, will it change? Will it be a dramatic change? Maybe not, but it is interesting in that way. And I do like the the international stuff Um, aside from the Saudi stuff, you know, which they've been doing for a while. I mean, I'm talking about like, like clash of the castle was really cool. It had a cool vibe to it. So Absolutely. it would be, I hope they do some more stuff like that. Yeah. And I would uh throw in maybe like a King of the ring, sprinkle that throughout a month, like of a non pay-per-view month. Say there's not a pay-per-view in May. Let's just make that King of the Ring month and then just, you know, one match on a Raw or two matches on a Raw, one match on a SmackDown and then just just throw out a 32 man tournament and just let's see you King of the Ring and let's take a month and have a big climax of the end of the month. And that's just kind of fill our good filler TV, I think. Let's rock and roll with that. There's been some returns and debuts in the last two weeks since last recording this. We've had the returns of Ray Wyatt that we talked about, Legato Del Fantasmo, L.A. Knight. And then the OC, Rossi, what do you think of these returns? And uh, did I miss any? I so I love the LDF presentation, Legato. Um, I think that putting Zelina with them was, was a stroke of genius. Um, immediately adds to that group as far as kind of something that they needed to. It kind of gives a credibility to them that I don't think if you brought Electra up, who I think Electra worked in the role. This is not hating on Electra, but she doesn't have that main roster feel to it. And it's one of those things that you can't just assume that your 2002 million people that watch SmackDown all follow NXT because we know that they don't. So these guys were nobodies, but by, by being with Zelina, they, they kind of felt like bigger deals to that, you know, 1.4 million that doesn't watch uh, NXT every week. Um, if not more than that. So um, I was really into that presentation. Like that was at that SmackDown that we went to here in Worcester, which yeah. it's fucking crazy how small Zelina is in person. I don't think you you really notice how small she is till she's like a hundred feet away from you or whatever she was for me. But um, that, that they've done really good with it. You know, I felt like beating hit row was the right move last week to establish them. Hit row's done pretty well for themselves as well. So I've been happy. That's going to be kind of a cute, cool feud. And they did a little bit of it in NXT. So they'll have a little bit of history together there. Um, and it'll help BFAB having someone seasoned like Zelina around instead of Electra. So, um, and you know, the other returns like LA Knight, I love that he just, came, you know, turned his turned himself around as a baby, then won his match and immediately turned heel again. Um, <laughs> yeah. LA, LA Knight as a heel is 100 times better than LA Knight as a baby. He works as both, but I think the TV programming will work much better for him as a heel. Um, and then, what are the returns? Oh, the OC. Fucking love those guys, man. They, they really do deserve and belong to be in WWE. I feel like they fit the mold well. Um, Gallows looks out of place in Japan sometimes. Um, because it doesn't have that work rate that like a lot. And there's really not a lot of good big guys in, in Japan anymore. Um, so I like them in, in the in the uh, U.S. and I like them in, with WWE, especially because it gives credibility to AJ and gets him more TV time. Um, so that feud's going to be fire. Um, the way the Japan shit's going down is a little carny. But, hey, that's Japan's fault for not 
taking the belt off of him or for giving a belt to a guy that wasn't in contract. I don't really feel bad for them, um, but I'm happy that those guys are back. I feel like they were entertaining as hell in NXT with Cameron Grimes. Yeah, um, it's just that that's a really good fit. Like even Grimes had like matching gear with them, which is pretty crazy. Um, so I, I like those guys at the WWE world. Um, I think it's fucking hilarious that they come right back before going to Saudi again. Um, that's kind of ironic. Um, but hey, you know, money talks and it seems like they uh, mended fences with brother, brother Paul uh, before this deal came together. So good for them. Um, I'm excited about having all these these uh, new faces on the TV shows. Um, we're starting to maybe get too full um, with these returns, but, you know, who knows what's next? Well, they're doing a good guy. Good job of staggering guys in and out. Like we haven't seen KO in a few weeks which is fine. You know, we haven't seen theory, you know, they're staggering people. We haven't seen Chiampa. So with the big roster, you can keep guys fresh, stagger them in out. And yeah, the, the OC, uh, they get a lot of hate. I I'm, I'm indifferent to them. I kind of lean towards, yes, I kind of like them in a way. They're not the typical go out there and have killer matches, but they are capable in a way they add like a kind of toughness aura in a way. And I, like you said, I like what they add to AJ also. So and talking shop to the OC. Those talking shop manias really got me through the pandemic yeah. and new wrestling. By the way, <laughs> like I watched those things over and over in the the, uh, the booze filled pandemic uh, months that we had. Um, I did. And I, really I did think, get one too. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. I think that Santos Escobar is the most underrated version of one to come up because I think he really has a. He could really, because he's a legend, pretty much. Like, I'm a big Lucha guy, and he's the son of, like, one of the biggest guys ever, and he's amazing. Like, he was way too good to be in NXT ever, because he had to get acclimated, but I think he's the one that could be the real big star of these last group of call-ups, because he's incredible. He's like a 20-year vet, he's got a great look, and uh, he could really go, man. So I think he could be that kind of luchador, that they, Spanish guy, that they could really push once, you know, he's going to be healed for a while, but I don't know. I think he's awesome. Yeah, big upside there. I'm ready for him. All right, and the last thing we have here is the announcer shakeup. Nigel McGinnis and Jimmy Smith were let go. Um, sucks for Nigel. I'm sure he could go back if he wanted to in uh, whenever NXT Europe is. But, you know, it's kind of the second time that they pulled the carpet out on him, first time being the pandemic. But maybe he didn't want to, like, travel or maybe he didn't want to. I don't know if he – I think you're pretty sure he lives in the U.S. So I don't know what his deal is, but that's too bad they kind of got rid of him. I like him personally. And then on Raw we have – um, Kevin Patrick with Corey Graves. I haven't mind them whatsoever. I kind of like Kevin Patrick's dry wit in a way. And I like, um, he's growing on me. He's, he, you know, of course the Brits are weird, but he's Irish, you know, fellow Irish guy like me. So, um, you know, I, I kind of don't mind the accent and I kind of find him kind of low key funny in a way and endearing. And, uh, I, feel like he kind of has a connection he can connect it with with like through the crowd or whatever so i'm kind of here for him he's growing on me i like him on smackdown we have wade barrett filling in for pat mcafee in the meantime and he's with michael cole barrett's awesome he was great in nxt he's even better with cole on smackdown um i'm not sure what they'll do with mcafee mate but it seems like that booker t is now with vic joseph in nxt it seems like booker t is just a rental until wade barrett heads back to nxt when McAtee is ready at the end of the year after college game day so those are the three announced teams and triple h kind of feels like it should be a two-man announced booth and i don't mind that you know i don't i personally don't i didn't overreact on the three people booth but i kind of like the two i like the change of pace i like the consistency if the two are good and Michael Cole's been great the last few years. 
Um, Braves is pretty good, and he's not. I don't hate him when he's not there bickering with Byron. But I find I found Byron being kind of the issue in a way for the most part. If they're either if they're picking on him or they're just he's just too fucking nerdy in a way in a nerdy thing of wrestling. And oh, they also brought Kathy, Kathy Kelly on the Ross side of thing in the backstage role. So, oh, pretty cool. What do you think? Rocco, where are you at with all that? Yeah, I like all the uh, additions. Um, I feel like the, the Byron thing is that Vince McMahon is a, a myopic racist. So we just thought Byron was coach and he just treated him like coach and made everyone treat him like coach was. So I think that was the problem with that. Byron was fine. But yeah, I love Booker. I think I feel like didn't they ask Renee? I feel like Renee was probably supposed to be the NXT person. But Booker's been good. He's not been SmackDown Booker or uh, a TNA commentator Booker. Jackie, He's Jackie Quack Quack. Yeah, he hasn't been doing all that stupid stuff. And I always like having a wrestler in the booth. I think it's really cool. And like you said, uh, Barrett's funny and he's a good heel. You know, have uh, he's one of the best heels they've had as a heel announcer. Like he's better than Waller has been in 25 years, and better than the abomination that Cole was. So, and yeah, and Graves and Patrick have really cool chemistry. Graves is a little more uh, verbose, and Patrick is like you said, he's got a sly like little wit, and they don't clash with each other. And yeah, I mean everything's kind of real smooth, and you don't notice it. It's kind of like a score in a movie. Either it's great and you notice it, or it sucks and you notice it. You know, like. Good announcing should either be like an incredible Bobby Heenan performance at Royal Rumble, or you should just not be annoyed by it. And I think it's mm-hmm. the perfect blend of not being annoyed by it right now. Perfect. All right, guys. Believe it or not, for a slow news week, we kind of hammered some news. But we also took, we did some maintenance. We did Extreme Rules, a few small stories, and we kind of delved into right the Bray Wyatt of it all. So we don't have to do that into the WWE TV report, which we'll get into right now. Not much going on with the bloodline. Nothing new, anyways. Um, the the Sammy and Jay side of things is developing. Um, Roman put Sammy inside of in charge of Jay's kind of quote unquote ego or hotness head, hot net, hot headness. So that's the thing. That's been a you know that adds to their dynamic, and their dynamic is great. That's kind of the reason why Sammy is in the bloodline right now and why it works so much. But overall, um, we are on a collision course so you would call it um of logan logan paul versus roman reigns at crown jewel in saudi on november 5th uh what's that about two weeks from now so that should be what is what it is um roman should win but there's not much to add roman they're not going to waste many appearances on it the match is built it was built at the press conference they had the face-to-face on smackdown it was kind of weird Heyman kind of went down a weird hole of like pop culture, but at the end of the day, Logan Paul is pop culture. So it kind of it was a little too long, but the Sammy side of it was just fantastic. But anyways, J- uh, Jake Williams, my friend, mm-hmm. we gush about the Bloodline, mo- mostly me, but these guys also kind of get into it. What's your overall feeling on the Bloodline? I dig the Bloodline. Like I I like it. I think they're the they're in this weird point right now where I feel like they're waiting for the next big thing. I mean, no pun intended. <laughs> um, I'm thinking it's not going to be the next big thing this go around. Maybe they're done with that, but I you know they're wait. <laughs> right. So, but it kind of seems like they're in this holding pattern, but I think the bloodline are so good that it's okay. They're still good with their holding pattern. I think the Sammy stuff gives them something to mess around with to make it entertaining. 
And the the Logan Logan Paul uh, Roman match, it seems like the most Saudi match ever. Like it just seems like a match <laughs> they would do on a Saudi show. I don't know. Like it's so random. Like if they were doing this on a regular pay per view, I'd think it was weird. But for some reason, because it's on a Saudi show, it just seems like. Like, Logan Paul seems like the opponent they would put with him in Saudi because they could be like, look, this big YouTube superstar and then our champion. Look at this. This is yeah. like it's the perfect thing for the weird alternate universe that is the uh, the uh, Saudi pay-per-views. Yeah, very much so. Now, you bring in a holding pattern. Rocco, could that holding pattern be Survivor Series in War Games? And if so, is the bloodline 100 percent in War Games? Yeah, I think I, we discussed it how like War Games is the, the, the Four Horsemen's match and the Bloodline is the Four Horsemen of right now. So it's got to be for them. I think once the Saudi show is over, I feel like there's going to be some that's they're, they're going to kick high gear. They got a, a plenty of weeks to kick in something cool. And I think they're definitely going to really rally the troops and someone's going to, you know, it's going to be time to take down the Bloodline. And that's what the War Games is going to be for. All right. So we. I kind of agree. I'm not 100% there with you, Rocco, that the bloodline is going to be in it. But if you twist my arm, I agree. And I do think that it should be the bloodline. As you said, it's the horsemen and it's the it's their biggest thing going. So it should be, especially when the first year of war games on the main roster. But anyway, so Sami Zayn, is he with the bloodline or against the bloodline in war games? Um, I think he's with them. And I think war games really gives a lot of chance for the drama of Sammy being alone with two guys and Jay not like it really gives a chance to have a lot of drama in the match with they like all the stuff they've been doing backstage and in promos and in matches and really like weaving a cool story. They could actually do that physically over the course of like a 30, 40 minute match with Mm -hmm. these guys turning on, not turning on each other, but who are they trusting and what, how are they helping? Are they helping them when they see them getting hurt? So I think Sammy needs to be in there for it to work. And I think it's just Roman watching this thing right he's watching his crew go to war as the general and watching it all happen and sammy's trying to impress them and jay's trying to expose sammy for being a fraud like i think you could really tell a cool story physically that they've been telling uh verbally and through promos and stuff so are you saying roman's on the outside watching or he's in the match he's not in the match he's watching the match I think okay, it's and, four, they, and, and he has a singles match. All right, I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I, I know War Games is three or well, WWE's version is three or four. You know, you, but I do agree that you know, I think it four, should yeah. it shouldn't be five. That's way too much. Mm-hmm. All right, and then outside of the box bloodline question for you, Rossi. Who's Roman face at at the Rumble? I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think it's going to be Kevin Owens. I know that he he fought him at at uh, the Rumble two years ago, um, but I feel like at some point we're gonna get integration of KO trying to tell Sammy that they're gonna screw him over, and then Sammy rebelling on it, and then Roman eventually getting pissed off, and then wanting to wrestle Owens. Um, there is there's been legs to it ever since the re- the Owen return. He's, you know, back to the Drew promo. He said that he wanted to, you know, go after the universal title again um, because he felt like he never really lost to Reigns in that one last man standing match because of the the weird shit that happened, which is kind of true. Um, so it's I, I think it's, it's if it's not KO, it's Rollins. And with Rollins having the U.S. title now, I just don't I think he's going to kind of be in his own universe. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to say KO. And I, I'm pretty confident in it because that can 
that can um, kind of weave its way into the Sammy bloodline stuff pretty seamlessly. I mean, that's also saying I don't have a clue what, what their war games opponents are. Um, yeah. It kind of is starting to feel like it's going to be the brawl and brutes in some way um, because of how they ended the show last week, but, or ended that four way last week. Um, maybe the brawl and brutes and drew, maybe that's what it ends up being, which would be cool. Um, but then the numbers also still don't match up. So who knows? Maybe Owens finds his way into that before a singles match. Um, who knows? Um, but yeah, Owens would be my pick. All right. Interesting. We'll see. I kind of, I kind of dig the KO at the rumble thing. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of, you know, it would be their third rumble match, but I kind of dig it. All right. So I got a legit question for you guys. Is the judgment day good? <laughs> like, <laughs> They've been kind of rocking and rolling here. We talked about the Finn and Edge match earlier. We're not going to get into that again, but it was a very good success. Um, the Mysterio, this is the most compelling Rey Mysterio's ever been. Well, not ever, but in, in the longest time, especially around his son. Um, they got him off the show, or he left off the show because of the Judgment Day. That adds kind of depth to the Judgment Day. Um, Rhea as the enforcer? That's like, or is she the leader or both? Um, Dominic is just a heat magnet in the kid has for the kid that for someone that has no charisma, he has a lot of natural heel charisma, if that makes any sense. So I'm, I'm kind of here for all the stuff he's doing lately. And then the OC versus the Judgment Day in Saudi. That's a that's a pretty cool match. Um the the good brothers are gonna get their swimming pools out of it and it's just gonna you know it's just kind of a full circle thing. Uh, fuck man, is the judgment day good? Um like Rocco, is Leah is Rhea the glue holding this whole thing together and connecting all the in making it good and everything? Yeah, I mean in some ways if maybe like if you want to go to a uh like a G.I. Joe, maybe she's Cobra Commander's Finn. And uh, Destro is uh, Dominic, and she's the Baroness, kind of controlling Dominic. And uh, I don't know what uh, the Archer of Infamy, maybe he's Zartan. But yeah, she really. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> maybe she's asserted himself. Uh, she's really asserted herself as a, uh, not a leader really, but just the most important part, the most focal. She's the most focal part of that. And uh, I love how they're not a spooky thing. They're just a gang now. And I love that they've really been able to pivot from that. And it's been a while. Like it took a while to to get the stink of that initial weirdness off. And I think they finally have done it. And uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've been watching it a few times and been like, wait, this, this is actually, it's a good question. Are they good? <laughs> um, Vicky Guerrero. He is the best way I could describe what's happening with Dominic, right? Where <laughs> it, it's just this vehement, this like of this kid. I mean, when you think about Dominic, he should be the greatest wrestler of all time. If you can count the amount of quality talent and coaching he's been given for what, like three years now and <laughs> wrestling in front of everyone. It's like he is still not that, but he's been given so much opportunity that he should be the greatest guy of all time. He's not. And I think people are just frustrated with that. So the, this is perfect for him. And Ray is just fucking awesome. She's got a charisma that has been from that second she was there at the, the May Young Classic when she was nothing like this character people gravitated towards her she just has the it thing and watching this version of her and be a woman in charge pretty much of a male faction is a real cool thing that has really never been explored as far as i can remember in the wwf yeah and each of them have found a groove within the judgment day finn is kind of the de facto leader but he is the coolness of the group in a way he has that cool charisma he has that like 
I love those facials that he has and the mannerism as he has is that confident cocky heel. Look at watch Priest. Just watch one of their entrances. Priest got the fucking thing down. He's off to the side. He's the muscle. He's the rally guy. And he's like the shit stir in a way, too. You know, he, he I bet you he's the one. He's the first one to order the shots at the bar, right? Let's get a round of beer. And then five minutes in, Priest is like, let's do shots. Like, shots. Come on, bring them over. Let's do, you know, hey, guys, I got these funky mushrooms. Bought them from this guy, Rocco, in New Jersey. Let's, let's just fucking do it. You know what I mean? Priest is the is like the, the, the party guy here. No pun intended. He's like, he's found his groove. Just like I said, watch him in the entrance. He has this cool, confident swagger that's natural to him so he's kind of found a groove tier two and then Rhea is kind of, like I said she's kind of the glue in a way too just kind of she just like just the 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 like the sexiness of the group not that the group is you get what I'm saying but like the aura of sexiness and just like China vibes with like just I don't know like a lot of she's got a lot going for her obviously and just the whole Dominic dominatrix like I own you poppy kind of thing is, is rule rules rossi what is their upside you know what are what can they be and what will they be what do you think and i feel like with you are they are they better are they legit? better getting a win on pay-per-view made it that much more Things of a confident stable to me i think it does when you lose on every pay-per-view i'm sorry there are people yeah, that only watch the all pay-per-views those losses and now they're fucking it's clicking so all those losses it's clicking it's it's clicking but what's the ceiling um, what is it? That's the thing. Is it like eventually I want to see Rhea as a wrestler, not in NXT. She's clear. Um, she wrestled last night. Yep. She's getting there. Um, now, how does that work? Um, I don't want to see Dom Mysterio do anything. I think that takes away a lot of it for me. Um, I don't think that it's the they're trying to. They pretty much held Rhea to try to get Dom over, which is whatever. It's a technique. But they just need to realize that the guy is hated, and he's not hated because he's a good heel. He's hated because he fucking sucks. He has Plain good heat, simple. man. I don't. I think you're, he has good heat because nobody wants to see him. It's no, fuck, heat. it 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 worked as soon as he as soon as he turned at the castle. I was like, wow, that just worked the way that they did it. It's working. Like, he, is he good? Not really. But I don't think it's go away heat. I when think he when his mat, when he's wrestling, I change the channel. Okay, well, of course he it's wrestling and he has to wrestle, but. Like he exactly, exactly. And he gets booed out of the building. You, you, you because you, we don't want to see him. I no, would because it was a fucking reaction. Like it's I don't, a rea- It's a go. It's go away. Heat. No, this group is not go away. He, he's the one that. And this group's it, not. He, he entered this group. This group started clicking. Like I, I think this is like you have to. No, give it what to started him. clicking was that they realized Finn's the guy that they're pushing and Priest is his muscle. That's what helped. This but, guy is just eat pins, and I get it. That's it what he said. It was an empty, emotionless group, and then Dom enters, and they actually get heat. Once you get heat, you start clicking and growing. So yeah, you could say it's go away heat, but it, it's heat. It's and work. what helped them? What helped them get the most heat? Dom <laughs> winning, winning a fucking match. That's the what helped them. Matter. Get the they don't matter. Do matter. It's the when you're stable. When you're a stable that loses on three straight pay-per-views or whatever it was, the win is important. And they did it the right way because they all look like pieces of shit the way it happened, which is perfect. That's what they should be. But yeah, but they, they had to get thing, to that stage to kind of get there. They were so desperate to win 
that because they were due for a win, so the losses mattered. It, like the, yeah. the losses count, the losses added up within their actions. So yeah, I just feel like if we got to the, if we're at the point now that we've now banished Ray away from the entire thing, and I mean I don't think that Edge got this role overnight, right? Um, I don't know. I just feel like it should have been more. I mean, they got the big win at the end, but it is what it is. Finn's the guy. And that's that's where they have really hit the hit their stride is that Finn's their guy. The entire feud with AJ is geared on Finn and he's got his buddies by his side. Um, They've really figured out with Priest on what to do with him. And like you we were saying before, he's the muscle now. He's the guy that speaks very little. Um. And then Rhea and Dom have kind of their alternate universe. I don't want to see that. I'm over it. I don't think it's good TV with those two. I get the their their he's hell he's getting the heat. He's do whatever. It's he sucks. Plain and simple. Um, his matches suck. He's boring as fuck. Um, I don't want to see him. I, I I'm done with him. But I love Finn and I love Priest. So hey, it is what it is. Um, it's an added portion of the stable that they kind of needed because, like I said, then a six man. Who's going to eat the pin right now? Is it going to be Dom or is it going to be Priest? It better be fucking Dom, right? Um, but ultimately, does this does this feud bleed into war games? And if that's the case, we're going to see it. We're going to it could it could um, three on three in war games is fucking weird, though. So there would probably have to be more bodies brought into that. Um, maybe there's a way to sneak riddle into it. And I don't know. I don't know where, where we can even begin to go with that, but I just can't see a three on three war game. So who knows? Um, and with Ray being banished and edged clearly off TV, I don't see a lane that that even makes sense. So, um, now just keep pushing Finn, keep making Finn, you know, be like the true leader of the group, have everybody else play their secondary roles off of Finn. And then you're going to be fine. Because Finn's that good. And I really like Priest. I just don't think Priest is ever going to be a top-of-the-card singles guy. So having him in the um, in the secondary role is the best way to have this stable go. We're obviously not going to get rid of Dom. He's their pet project for whatever reason. I just don't think it's ever going to work. And hopefully we just start seeing Rhea have more matches. Because the women's division needs her to have more matches. Um, Raw has been uh, multiple person tag feud which obviously that i think is going to turn into war games but i'd like to see Rhea maybe sneak her way into that too because she is a star to me um on a, on a show that doesn't have many right now the only two people i think of that entire show that can carry the world title or three people that can carry a world title that are active right now in raw are bailey bianca and Rhea, and the other people aren't even close so i think Rhea needs to start getting into that corner i still want to see a Rhea bianca feud pretty soon because i don't expect it to be at mania because i mean there's still charlotte flair there's still becky lynch coming back for titles right um but hopefully Rhea and bianca's a, a rumble match or something and that's where i hope that this goes is now we just start to see Rhea wrestle more and you know if Rhea's wrestling if finn's in a good role if dom if um priest is doing his thing as a secondary role then whatever dom does is a bonus i just don't want Rhea to be the handler to get Dom over for the remainder of this time. It just, that would suck for me. Um, but we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Well, I can't Dom escort her to the ring and be her kind of heater and cheat for her when it elicits it or whatever. That of course. I think that's good use. I think that's good use. I just want to see her 
be used now that she's cleared as the star that she is. Um, to yeah, maybe me. she just got cleared, you know? Yeah, she may have, because she just did a house show last weekend, too, to kind of get the cobwebs off. She looked pretty good. I mean, Roxanne's good. Um, big size difference there, so it's tough not to look good. But, um, I, I mean, Rhea, Rhea brings it in the ring. She always has. She's not, like, this technical wizard, but she has believable matches, and her and Bianca will fucking rule whenever it happens. Um, it's, like I said, I don't expect it to be at Mania, but well, let's Mania, get to though, it. right? It could. I mean, if Charlotte doesn't come back, maybe, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they do were Charlotte to, first. Yeah, do Charlotte first and maybe Rhea out of Mania. Um, but again, who knows? Now, Jake, I got the most important question here for you. Um, Jake, who's Poppy? I think, Rossi, I, th- I think Rossi might be Poppy after <laughs> he just decimated Dominic. <laughs> with that Dominic takedown. And I, I'm with him for it, so. Yeah, we, you know, I and just, if not, if not, it would be Rhea, definitely. All right, and and do do you have a poppy in life? <laughs> I am my own poppy. <laughs> Flagellate yourself. Be, be well, your own poppy. Well said. <laughs> be okay. Hey Jake, I just we had a judgment day on the cal on the on the repertoire, and I just needed you to for that. Right, right. but um, as someone who doesn't watch often, I think I got a good idea of them it's uh gi joe with a dominatrix <laughs> a guy with go away heat and um <laughs> mushrooms or something and vicky carrero cosplay yeah we're all Pre- there pretty much so the last big topic on the wwe side news we have here is bobby lashley versus brock lesnar at crown jewel um pretty random for bobby to mention brock in like a people that he defeated promo and then brock would come out in like decimate him seconds later right before a u.s title match against seth rollins convenient or not um so that's pretty much what happened um yeah bobby was listing people that he took down as u.s champion or in the past this year and then brock lesnar's music hit for a big surprise came out bobby for some reason held up the u.s title in brock's face i found that odd but then Bob, that gave Lashley a lane. Oh, that gave uh, Brock a lane to kind of smash Lashley. And that softened Lashley up. And then two seconds later, Lashley dropped the title to Rollins. And that was a pretty electric moment. They, uh, they It was like a Money in the Back ca- cash-in vibes there. But uh, Rossi was all this Brock mentioning, getting mentioned by Lashley, too cute by half here. You know, is that kind of stuttered and rushed? No, I mean, a little rushed, but they have the history, so it's okay. That's how I saw it. And if we go back to Raw last week when Rollins won the title, I thought that that entire, like, half hour of TV or whatever it was was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, You're sitting there at 10 o'clock, and I never watch Raw that late. Like, I normally will watch it after football ends. I'll skim through it. But I'm like, okay, I know Brock's coming back tonight, so let's get this on. Um, So throw it on. And now I'm now this match is going on and I'm like, holy shit, either of these guys can win this match right now because Rollins is selling the ribs, you know, selling the ribs. Yeah. And like um, Lashley doesn't have an arm. So either one of these guys that lose are not going to look bad in losing. Um, And though it just felt like a money in the bank cash in. But like when they're good, you know what I mean? Like the near falls were cool. They were important. The curb stomp when he first kicked out of it was like, holy fucking shit, this is awesome. Um, for I, I don't remember the last time I watched a match that I had no real like I 
I didn't really care about this match going in and then sitting down watching it, I'm like, holy shit, they did this so good. Um, and that was such good TV. And then this week that was perfect. They come, they open the show with, with Lashley already in the ring and talking. Um, like they, like they, he couldn't take it anymore. He had to come out early. And then Lashley comes out the pull apart brawl with like the wrestlers coming out. I'm a sucker for the pull apart brawl when it makes sense. And this one was perfect. Lashley was just throwing throwing uh, Brock around like he was a uh, cruiserweight. Um, Brock, like always, bumps like a champ. The guy's just a, such a fucking legend. Um, and you know, I love their match at Rumble. Um, you know, you finished quirky. Lashley got knocked out cold in it, or whatever happened. Um, elbow got fucked up. Whatever happened in that match. Um, but the match ruled. And ultimately, um, I think they have another gear to them. And Saudi's a spot, no title on the line. Just let these two guys beat the piss out of each other. And here's the deal. Brock wins, and then you got to do a third one. Brock, guys, doesn't have a, you know, a one-match feud anymore. So this is going to be something that I think we're going to see for a little bit. Um, and Brock can win, go away, and come back in three months, and he can do it again. Um, so... I'm very excited for this match. I think that Lashley, they did really good on Monday, making him look like a fucking killer. Um, and we are all already know that Brock is. So let, let's have these two. I'm, I'm a sucker for the Haas battle, especially with Brock. Um, and I'm so happy it's not raids. So let's get going. Um, I'm excited for this match. I'm excited for the Saudi card in general, because I think this match is going to fucking rule. Yeah, um, they had a pretty good match at the Rumble. It is, in that very good match, you would consider a disappointment, actually. So I think these, guys, these two have big upside. Um, there's some history there, and they can kind of lean into that. Rocco, that Rossi mentioned and jumped the gun a little bit there about the opening to Raw. I thought that was really cool, and I thought that was something that you would appreciate. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, I enjoyed the opening to that. I like just getting to it, having a dude out there talking. Crazy how Lashley was so bad on the mic when he first started. And that's just how it is, right? You just get better by uh, experience. And uh, he really is convincing. I love the Brock coming out wearing a Slayer shirt, by the way. Uh, not that I'm the <laughs> hugest Slayer fan, but he came out wearing a fucking Slayer shirt um, down the ramp like the Angel of Death and uh, fucking attacks Lashley. And I, I, that little bit of you goes, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, are we going to watch a fucking Brock just throw this guy around? But Lashley fucking pushed his shit in a little bit, showed no mercy. And, uh, it's going to be a good fun. That was, that was two Slayer puns, by the way, by mistake. Um, and uh, it's great. It's great to see Brock in there with a dude that he seems to actually kind of probably respect and also a guy that just is his contemporary in terms of physicality and a little bit of their background as uh, wrestlers and stuff. So it's a really cool matchup to see. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed the opening to that Raw. I love I love any kind of chaos and wildness yes. and stuff like that. Like that's that's pro. And when you say like, was it too cute? But. That's just pro wrestling, right? You call a guy's name out, they come out, it set it up really well. Like Mike was saying about that last 30 minutes, like really tying it together really well, which is something I always love too. When you get segment into segment, like uh, old DCW shows used to do really well. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the opening to that. I like uh, not a lot of talking and a lot of wildness. Gotcha. Yeah, I figured that you would like that. So I kind of wanted to throw it to you so you can kind of gloat about that. Now, Jake, you think this is it for them? You know, I, I think it's safe to say that Brock's probably more likely going to win. But can they squeak out a third match here? And uh, does could it be, you know, where – what do you think? I, I think definitely – I think WWE squeezes out as many matches as they damn well please with any few. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, but um, 
I do think I, I'm with Rossi. I think it could be a great match. Uh, I enjoyed their match before, but like he mentioned earlier, I do think like, I think you could have just them going out there and like suplexing each other is going to give you a good match. But I feel like if they go out there knowing they want to dial it another gear and just kind of up the intensity, I think you could be in for something like really great because they both have it in them. I think it's just a matter of if they decide if they want to go for it. And I guess we'll find out if they do. More more like the Samoa Joe match than a Brock just throwing guys back and these guys throwing mm-hmm. each other, right? Like that real just violent right. attack of two dudes, like kind of going at it as even for a while. And then just whatever happens, happens. Not right. Just not just talk. like that, that baseline Brock match, like right. a next level kind of deal. Yeah. Like tossy toss, you know, exchanges. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right, guys, I'm going to throw some quick hitters here as we wrap up the WWE TV report. Uh, Rocco, the women's division, eh, it's not their peak. Trip, it's, you know, this is Triple H's lane in a way. He he always books the women well. He's a little shorthanded without Becky and, uh, and Charlotte, you know, two pillars of that division for the last fuck, 10, five, 10 years almost now. But um, I don't know. I feel like they're needed. Um, Bianca, I don't want to say stale, but her pro, her program with Bailey is kind of flat in a way. It's kind of been flat, and it feels like they kind of been booking on the fly as they had this big plans to kind of do a mega team of Becky and Bianca, but then Becky gets hurt in that match at SummerSlam, you know, as those girls debut. So it's kind of like, hmm, let's kind of put a Band-Aid on this with like a weird Asuka and Alexa pairing. And uh, I don't know. That's, and then you have the Liv and the Ronda thing kind of lining up and falling out here. I don't know. It's just kind of just feels kind of flat in a way. So I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with the women's division. What's the temperature to you? It just it's we're going to be the broken record about the lack of a mid card because it just makes it feel incomplete as a actual wrestling. If you take away the men's part of the show, what women wrestling, what they get to do in the WF shows is so less complete in terms of like what a wrestling card generally has and how the interaction and uh, the hierarchy of wrestlers is. They just have that's the thing is they just have the top dudes or top chicks. And there's a lot not a lot of going up the card and mid-card fuse or any of that kind of stuff that you just kind of like in wrestling, stuff that makes wrestling wrestling. So even bringing in more big stars isn't it doesn't actually necessarily you know, change anything. It's just having the depth to have this run the way uh, a wrestling division is, should, or a wrestling show should be run with just enough people in the right slots. And I think getting people in the right slots, like Shotzi as a babyface, because Vince McMahon can't have a person with tattoos. A woman cannot have tattoos and be a babyface. Vince McMahon does not see that, right? We've learned that. I mean, even brunettes are, are mid-card and not allowed to be big stars either. Like, he had these weird things. So, like, realigning stuff and getting things together. But then you have, like, uh, the Nikki and uh, Dewdrop kind of come in and then they disappeared. So the consistency of the characters needs to be established more. So a mid-card feud with a Bianca can happen, where she can have a mid-card feud and really just make the division seem a whole. Yeah, like always having star power is going to be great. And uh, so I I just think that's a very important part of, and like Jake was saying about that, like they could make the feud last as long as they want. And the Bianca-Bailey feud doesn't need to be matches all for three months straight. Like you could feud with someone and not fight them. Like if Bailey had a female, uh, a mid-card female that was uh, believable enough to maybe give her a little run for her money and she has a match 
shows that she's a winner, and then she cuts a promo on Bianca. Bianca's in the back. They don't have to interact, but there's there's too much interaction with not enough people, I think. It's a big problem. So, yes, bringing in all the good, cool stars that we love is great. But just the division as a whole needs to just become more co- – I keep saying complete, but it's the only word I can really think of. So I do like what they were doing with Bianca, and I really hope they're doing that like with Bray, too, where they brought up uh, – at Extreme Rules, they brought up Bianca's uh, like struggle with bulimia, which was a really cool humanizing thing as well that I always think is a thing that Vince didn't understand in the old era. And we'll talk about that later, but really kind of made a character of her – her character as a real person – besides being a superstar is a thing too. And I think they could do that maybe just giving people their actual uh, motivations for everyone on the roster, you know? So I don't know. I rambled a little bit there, but yes, uh, bring back the good guys, but also the division needs to be more fleshed out. I don't know. It just feel like you say there's no mid card. It just feels like mid card. There's a, they don't, they don't feel like stars. They don't, well, you don't feel like you can't, you, if everyone's the same, then if everyone's special, no one's special. Like if everyone's yeah, the same level, <laughs> Like, Bailey's not, like, she's kind of... That's your opinion. You're way low on Bailey. I think she's great as a heel. I think she's amazing in the back. She's a name. It's just blah. And and this is under Triple H's umbrella. It's like, she has no no Vince stink on her. She returned under Triple H. I think she's great. Like, you're you're saying one thing. I I think she's been amazing when she's been back. I think think she's such a great, like, wise-ass heel, like, leader of this group. I've been enjoying everything she's been doing. Oh, I just feel like you—you you tell me those three are going to be together, and it—it ju- it just has not lived up to the hype. It just feels—it just feels mid card, and Bailey doesn't feel like the, they fought the, the same three, level. They, they fought the, the same three people level. for three months. That's the problem. Oh, sh- all right, I'm not going down a fucking rabbit hole with you. We—we're running too long. Just—it is—it is what it is. We're going to agree to disagree there. It just—it just feels like they need Becky. They just feel like they need Charlotte. They—they they just Be- Charlotte made. Every uh, Becky made everything better she touched, and then she and she was in a miscast role, and then Becky and Bailey is in a good cast role, and she just cut and she's brought Bianca kind of down. Bianca seemed higher when she was flirting or with Becky, and then these the upside of the tag team just kind of feels not as big as it should around Bailey. I don't know. It's just, I'm just disappointed in Bailey compared to the Sasha's and Charlotte's and her contemporaries of Becky. And, you know, she's alone. Those three are out and she's alone here in her return with momentum off that big, awesome SummerSlam thing. And, and you say it's working. I just feel like it's not. And we'll see once she starts working with other people, not named Oscar, not named Aleska, you know, and we'll just we'll see. All right, the next quick hitter here we have is the United States title scene. Rollins is the champ, beating Lashley. He's still flirting with Little in the main event. Mustafa Ali is sticking his nose in the middle of things here. And then Elias returns in a kind of fun segment with uh, with uh, Riddle right before the match. And then he sticks around for the U.S. title scene and kind of gets involved uncontinentally, you know, in a, in a way or whatever. So, Rossi, what's going on with the U.S. title scene? You, you kind of feeling the vibe here? And... Rollins, is it going to be a short reign, a long reign? What do you think? Uh, so Ali's clearly a match for Saudi, right? Um, he's always been kind of positioned well over there. Um, I mean, he's he's an American guy, but obviously there's probably some roots to him um, being in that, you know, having the name Mustafa Ali working at a Saudi Arabia show, right? So that feels like they're just, uh, I feel like there's going to be a quick feud, like maybe two weeks or so. Um, and then some other things I've got in mind, like, but like I could see some TV raw matches, like singles match with Dawkins, a singles match with Montez when he's heels. Oh, Dawkins, I like um, that. 
Yeah. That's cool shit, right? Because, I mean, Dawkins has had a hell of a year. He deserves mm-hmm. a match like that. Um, long term, I think Gargano and Rollins is the route I would go. Um, I don't know with us not having a show between Survivor Series and Rumble. I, I don't really know where that fits in. Um, but I think that that's ultimately the best use of like that mid card title right now, especially when you position it as like the, the main title for the show. Right. Um, furthermore, maybe you start to get some bloodline integration in that, um, Zane, um, solo, maybe that, you know, that could be a way that you can start to intertwine Rollins back in with a rain situation. Um, and there's a, there's a conversation to be had there. Cause obviously, I mean, we're still months away from talking about the rumble, but it's going to come up on us quick and we got to start thinking about it. Um, there's a Cody return coming. He's at a natural feud with Rollins. Um, is that going to be Rollins? And oh, basically, is that going to then be Rollins, you know, feuding, you know, flirting with the world titles? Um, who knows? That That's an interesting thing to talk about. But yeah, Street Profits in the interim, I think, in singles match is the way to go. And uh, Gargano long term as kind of the the money feud at the end of the table. And maybe he's ultimately the one that takes it from uh, Rollins. Yeah. Uh, and are we get, real quick, we're going to get an Elias and Riddle kind of feud here. And I kind of dug their dynamic. Could that work in like a mini feud? Just I like that they're giving I, Riddle something to do. I kind of see it. Yeah. And I mean, Elias has been kind of a cute baby face, but he's much better as a heel um, shitting on the crowd. Right. Um, so and then Corbin's lurking, too. I feel like a Corbin Riddle feud is kind of somewhere in the offing, too. Uh, but who knows? Maybe they just kind of organically let Corbin kind of get wins over scrubs. The raw roster is weird. Like when I knew that you were going to ask me this question, man, I looked at it and like there's a lot of like moving parts there. And, um, you know, maybe there will be some call up soon. I mean, we'll talk about NXT in a bit, but, you know, there's definitely a lane where the loser of that match, um, if it's the champion that loses, comes up soon. So we'll see what happens. Gotcha. All right, now the cross and the Drew, it clearly ain't over. Uh, it was a pretty cool parking lot brawl. Kind of heelish on Drew, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, Rossi, do you, real quick, do you, is this going to kind of last? Drew's going to get his win back and this is over? Is Drew going to get his win back at Saudi? And that's, you know, that's kind of it. What do you think? Yeah, I'd give Drew his win back in Saudi. Um, I don't know. I mean, you can have Cross, like, be weakened by it, so he still has a little bit of heat here. Um, I just don't know what the plan is with, with cross long-term. Um, I mean, obviously Scarlet, they, they've done a lot to make it seem like Scarlet's re- the real part of the act, which that's where Vince fucked up, right? Is, is she kind of was a big part of the act when it first got, you know, got to fruition in NXT too. But I mean, she, with the, with the Bosch fireball and then, um, with the way that the match ended um, at Extreme Rules, she's going to be the one that is the catalyst of the entire cross push, push, and that's normally not a good sign for the wrestler, right? When it has to be the woman, um, the, the, or the valet, even. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm not too. I'm, I'm a cross guy. I always have been, um, but I also feel like he might be better off at this point being away from Drew, who's someone that they obviously have to overprotect. Yeah, this it's like Cross needs like like a Jeff Hardy leveled kind of like big star kind of guy just to kind of set his feet and just kind of feud with that guy and get a a few wins convincingly, you know, a guy with star power. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Actually, 
There you go. Boom. Get, get, you know, Ray's obviously not going to be Gunther, but while Ray's fresh to SmackDown, that, that match kind of is a dream match that makes sense. And then, yeah, give Cross something for like around Christmas and New Year's, have it be Ray Mysterio before Ray Mysterio links back up with his son around wrestling. And then probably. Yeah. you got Sheamus too. You got Sheamus, you yeah, get done. So yeah, there's bodies there. Um, Drew's just kind of, I don't know. I feel like as much of a cross guy as I am getting flushed into a, uh, a Drew feud, probably wasn't the best thing especially it's a, with how it's a it's a it's like a blessing and a curse in a way you know it's like yeah it's a blessing that he slotted so high up the card it's just a curse at the timing where drew needs the win coming off the roman loss and drew really shouldn't be losing to carrying cross it right now you know so yeah. it's a blessing and a curse so the last quick hitter here is the Miz and Dexter Loomis. The match was delayed. The Miz slipped on water and t- he legit. I've tore my ACL. I kind of laughed at that. And then the Miz says that um he's kind of ducking the match. And then Johnny Gargano kind of incorporates incorporates himself. Hey, we're both Cleveland guys here. And then Johnny drops a nugget of you know what happened in the past between you and Dexter. And you know, we kind of got a nugget on really why Dexter is after. Miz, which is fucking needed. <laughs> and then they go to have the match, and the Miz is so scared of Dexter that he attacks him. The match is um, if Dexter wins, he gets a contract. If Miz wins, he can vanish from Cross forever. So the Miz delays the match because he doesn't want to face him and gave him a contract. So who knows how long it's delayed, but I'm glad that Gargano kind of poked his nose into the feud a little bit. Um, giving us way, you know, the way is a group that they may reform probably. And it's nice that they connected cross, excuse me, not cross that they connected Johnny back with Dexter. So that's cute. Um, so yeah, I like how Johnny incorporated himself with the Miz and, you know, the Cleveland connection. And then you have the Chiapa connection to it all. Chiampa and Johnny. And then where has Chiampa been? Rocco, that's a lot to throw at you. What do you got? And does this really interest you as a whole? Uh, not the best. Uh, what is he going to be like his brother? What, what is it going to be? Some kind of weird thing like that. Uh, Chiampa probably like is. the nugget, though. You know, it's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I like a guy who doesn't work at a job getting entrance music in a video. Like when I go to Walmart, they put on a video for me and play music, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I just hope Chiampa's just getting get him away from this feud. Like the feud's fine and it's whatever and it's been interesting and it was a thing I think that they had with it like they were recalibrating the whole show and like all right we have a little cliffhanger for the end of each show because like once again this is like a it's still whatever Trips was doing when he's getting his uh, wheels underneath him. This was a fun little thing that people had a, a little pop for and they had a you know Loomis is a guy that people like seeing. I don't know if they love him in the ring but they do like seeing his character. So I just think. Whatever. It's a story, right? And stories are fun, too. Wrestling doesn't always have to be four-star matches. It could just be fun little backstage stories. And for like a guy like at The Miz, like, he does not need to be wrestling every week anyway. Like, there's, he's, he's, he's really good, though, in this role. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But like, it's, I like him in this better than him wrestling, like, 12-minute matches that don't mean anything every week. Like, this is good for him, right? So, yeah, give me some soap opera. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy with it. And I, like I said, I hope Ciampa's just get him away from this and let him just become old-school Ciampa and do something fun, right? Low key, I would never picture the Miz 
as like a Triple H guy in a way, right? Like since Triple H taken over, the Miz has been like a pillar of <laughs> of a lot of things. He got the Logan Paul match, and then he kind of just moving a lot of like this Dexter story. Um, he's with Chiampa, and they've stuck to it, and it just kind of it just feels like the and then like the Miz with like look look looking for Triple H backstage at Extreme Rules with Gritty. Low key, the Miz is a Triple H guy in a way, huh? I just and realized worked, that. They've worked together for 20 years, right? They've seen each other's Pretty children much, yeah. grow up. So, yeah, I mean, why not let the B-Boys? Legit seven, 18 years, 2016, right? And, but it does, he doesn't feel a, like a Triple H Yeah. On a three-hour show, like, like Miz is on, then, you know, you kind of need a guy like Miz, right? Like, because he's so versatile, he can, you know, no, then he can bring his wife in. So, But he just doesn't – if you were to say Triple H guys, I wouldn't picture really the Miz, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, this weekend we have Halloween Havoc. Now, Jake, as the resident PTBN NXT kind of guy, I think you're the perfect guy to kind of run down the card quickly with. Are you uh, are you up for that? Or is, do you live up to does the gimmick hold here? I'm definitely uh, more <laughs> apt to speak about 2014-15 NXT, but I'm <laughs> vaguely familiar with uh, the current NXT Though I will admit that there are some names like looking at the card that are very unfamiliar to me. And that I love you it. You're the m- perfect guy to do it. Now, I'm just going to read <laughs> the ahead. card out to you, and you just tell me what you think works. All right, so this is Halloween Havoc. Um, it's kind of like a Halloween theme, obviously. So kind of let's just get into it. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Apollo Crews versus Grayson Waller. So the match is to be determined, but if you, what match do you hope that the wheel falls on, Jake, here? I know this is kind of up your alley. Right. I think we got to go with the coal miners club, right? Obviously. <laughs> the classic, uh, obviously the, uh, the Halloween have a classic from spin the wheel, make the deal. The greatest spin the wheel, make the deal match, match ever. <laughs> now, <laughs> equally here's another thing. Julius Creed versus David Kemp. Heard of either of those guys, Jake. So I actually, um, I was informed by my good pal, Logan, who is a NXT current NXT, um, aficionado that Damon Kemp is uh, related to Gable Stevenson, right? Yep. Yeah, so that's what I know him from, so I'm assuming he's related in some form. This is dealing with, is he even involved in this? How much does this guy weigh? (laughs) (laughs) I love you for that. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, could could I tell you that Julius Creed is related to Brutus Creed, is this a lane uh, where we sneakily get Gable Stevens? Is this a lane where we get Gable Stevens on NXT with his brother against the Creeds? Right. So is it the thing you would hope? Because is it like a weird thing going on with him? Or like, I feel like at this point they almost wanted him to be maybe coming up, but it's kind of hasn't happened. What is his, what has been his status? Because it definitely seems like they're kind of due because he's been involved with WWE for a minute now, right? For about a year. Um, last year at this time, it was announced that he was drafted to Raw, but that just was to kind of feed into the USA whatever. And then it kind of uh-huh. he was he was around at WrestleMania. He was sitting front row at day one. And then recently, the WWE public relations Twitter page announced that he is cleared and he had like a blood um, disease or whatever. I, I don't remember offhand, but he's fully clear. The WWE caught the blood disease 
medical records or whatever, and he's good to go. And he is currently training at the PC, and it's going well. So I think NXT is the perfect landing Hmm. spot for him. I don't think it's a coincidence that his brother turned heel, and I don't think it's a coincidence that his brother's two versus one. So I think it would be really Mm -hmm. cool if he showed up and and, um, helped vanish the Creed brothers for now off of NXT. Because the stipulation here is if if Damon Kemp wins, Brutus has to leave NXT. Now, if I showed you a picture of Julius and Brutus Creed, could you picture which one were who, Jake? Uh, of the two, no, but I do know who they are. But I'm notorious for not being able to tell similar tag teams apart. Do you Brutus think they're better Brutus. than Buddy and Buddy and fucking, what do you call them? Murph? Wes and Bud? Wes and Wes Bud, Wes and Bud, yeah. The dubstep uh, cowboy? Yeah, yes, different different vibe here. Um, those are more, uh, yeah, the dubstep cowboys. These are more of your uh, amateur wrestling Guys, so I guess it makes sense in that sense if you are bringing in Gable Stevenson to have yeah. uh, the Creed guys involved. And I think that would low key bring kind of buzz and ratings to NXT, and they're on this, mm-hmm. you know, they're ticking up in a way. So I, I'm I'm here for that. I like that. Uh, the next match here we has Roxanne Perez. Real quick, uh-huh. real quick on that, Ryan. So where does um where does Roderick Strong fit into that? Because they've been doing the backstage stuff um, with the neck brace and the neck healing, an ambulance match. Um, I feel like there's a Roger Strong tie in here. Could be, but he does have a broken neck, Rossi. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think he uh, might, he might rip that that neck brace off, man. And, and uh, it could be, uh, it could be a coup. Yeah, it's just it feels weird. They're showing him a lot. Yeah, could be, could be, and you know they were never really uh, at bay. You know they've never really had a full thing and he you know he if he wants to kick them out it kind of would yeah that's another lane too so either way i think we're gonna get shenanigans in that match all right the next match here we have roxanne perez versus cora jade rossi's mega powers are finally gonna explode in a spin a wheel make a deal weapons wild match now again same question jake if i showed you a picture of cora jade and a picture of roxanne perez could you tell me who's who i definitely know cora jade i, I think i, I know both of these somebody. <laughs> what is what is a weapons wild match? What does that entail? I I'm not sure, but it's uh, <laughs> no one knows. I think it's a, a hardcore match, but um, but we're spinning oh. a wheel again, so um, oh. and we're making a deal, right. so I'm not sure. Maybe it has to be hardcore. I don't know. The wheel has little pictures of weapons that they could use on the little uh the little graphics. Mm. So ah okay, there we go, Rocco coming in with the heat. It's like, oh, uh, <laughs> sorry. <God. laughs> It's like the Ravens uh, clockwork orange, but with gambling. Hmm. It's a house of fun. It's a house of fun. Excellent. So the next match here we have for the vacant NXT North American Championship. We have former two-time champion Carmelo Hayes versus Ora Mensa, uh, a fine UK wrestler that I'm pretty fond of. Wesley, Von Wagner, and Nathan Frazier. Jake, give me a winner. Now, you have a a, a big reputation of picking winners in multiple man match you know calling back to the mad cat moss match now who do you think is going to win this match um i'm gonna go with carmelo hayes For is that a good third pick time, you tell me mm-hmm. i would make a star and go with aura mensa but i have a feeling that mm. it may be von wagner and that would suck i i worry about this I worry about these guys because the first North American ladder match that they ever had is like the most cursed match ever. 
because you had what Varsolvin, Demo, Velveteen, Cole, Ricochet, and EC3, which is what considered one of the best <laughs> matches, right? Yeah. But you have, you right. have two dudes who had sex tapes emerge. One had a hippie freakout and couldn't even like wrestle on a live show. One became a jobber who has worn every different type of pants and is now coming back. One had got fired and his wife became like a superstar. One became a sex pest and is never wrestling again. One is a concussion and might never come back to AEW. And one has a dry rub business with a failed wrestling promotion. So that might be the most cursed match ever. So I hope all of these guys do much better in their future endeavors. Five stars at it, too. <laughs> as long, yeah, as long as they do a shooting star press off the ladder to the outside of the ring, then we'll all be good. Well, but yeah. Hopefully Von Wagner gets crushed and never wrestles a match again. All right, can I get a winner from you, Rocco? For me. Um, I love a guy named after a uh, intelligent uh, organization, the Mensa guy. But uh, I'll go with Hayes. Why not? <laughs> Perfect. Now, Jake, is this the time that we pull, get the title off Mandy Rose as she faces Alba Fire? And a quick question for 10 points. What is Alba Fire's former name? <laughs> no points for me. But I, I do I know enough about this to know that the scuttle is that this may be Mandy's loss, right? That's what I'm that's what the sources on the street are saying. Perhaps. Now let's buzz a well, you can phone a friend here if you want to get those ten points. <laughs> Kaylee Ray. Sorry, time is up. Er, but yeah, anyways, most important, Jake. Now have did you happen to see Mandy Rhodes come out on NXT this week? Oh my God, my buddy! I did. I did see that. You know, my selective viewing. <laughs> Roll fucking <laughs> tide, buddy. All right, and in the main event, if you if there's one match to watch in this card, this is it: Braun Breaker, your NXT champion, versus Ilya Dragunov versus JD McDonough. Is uh, with Austin Theory kind of lurking, saying mm-hmm. he might come in and cash in. What do you think, Jake? Oh man, it's it. It would be weird to. It kind of seems like they might do something with theory, right? I mean, it kind of seems fitting for him that he would go down to NXT. Or are they just going to keep letting him do his like failed attempt even at NXT? But I don't know. It seems like a where there's smoke, there's fire thing. I don't know why they would. Oh, it just seems perfect for him to go down to NXT and then. Like, it would be the most Austin Theory thing to do to be the first guy to cash in on the NXT title. Now, he's going to have a long career, and I think it would be not damaging at all. And I think it would be good for NXT, and I think it would be great for Braun Breaker if they were to have feuds, like, that would spill over to Raw. And, you know, you could have your cross-promotion on Raw and SmackDown. Um, You know, I'm kind of here for it. I I, I don't hate it. I think I, uh, I would prefer it. And then, if not, I don't think that McDonough and Dragunov I think they're super awesome workers, both of them. Um, McDonough's character is a little wonky right now with the whole, like, I don't know, like, I like the bleed kind of thing and, like, math. I don't fucking know. But anyways, and then Ilya, um, he was a big fish in a small pond. His his star power isn't as bright in NXT. I think he needs some seasoning coming from the UK. And uh, I don't think his time is yet, but I think that he is definitely a future star. So I don't know. I but I think Breaker should win. And um, if Theory's lurking, and I wouldn't be mad if he showed up in one. I think it's 
kind of cool and a, would be a kick in the ass for NXT. And NXT is kind of having a lot of is buzzy. So I think it would kind of warrant it. And, you know, you say you throw in Gable Stevens, you throw in Austin Theory, and then you kind of bring it up to the main roster and have it kind of float around. I think it's good stuff losing Mandy, as you mentioned, too. So I don't know. That's your NXT I guess Hollow. I was gonna say Takeover, but your NXT and Halloween Havoc card for this weekend. I, I will be watching it. I'm not sure if I'll be watching it live, but I would catch it Sunday before football for sure at the latest. I'm gonna tell you a story. Ryan's Ramblin' of the Week. Yes, not Rocco's, Ryan's. We're going to switch up the gimmick real quick, and I'm going to take the rambling just because my thing of the week was going to be a spotlight on Chad Gable. Ever since Chad Gable took over – ever, ever since Triple H took over main roster head booker, Chad Gable has been used as like a linchpin to stick with the new guys, to, to stick up – to make a guy hot and just kind of just – being a real crutch for Triple H in a really good way to establish guys that he wants to heat up. I've noticed that pattern lately, and the guy just kicks ass. You know, shoosh is a is a stupid thing, and he makes it work. Alpha Academy is a tag team that was thrown together with two guys that are kind of going nowhere that they like, but he's made Otis like. He's reformed Otis. He's not a monster. Otis doesn't really have big upside, but Otis should be a, a effective WWE character wrestler, and he is. And I think that's off the back of Chad Cable. Now, just for instance, in the last ten weeks, I rank the top five matches of the week. Uh, in the last ten weeks, Chad Gable is on the list six times, right? And he is in the honorable mentions five times. So he is wrestling on Raw, SmackDown, sometimes even. And every match he has is over three stars. And I in three and I don't want to go crazy about three star matches or whatever, but star rankings, I use them as shorthand on kind of how the match is, with three being good, four being great, you know, five being all time, two being okay, and you know, one being bad, and then you fill in your quarters and your halves and your three quarters and you kind of gauge it, whatever. So not to get super nerdy. I just think of it as I like to use it as a, a barometer of, you know, how a show was. It's not the be all end all. I, I care. I, I honestly, I've cared more about character development and promos and stuff like that. And I'm not a big super work rate guy, even though I come across as one, but I do admire good work. And Chad Gable has been doing good work for the last really year but under triple h he is a guy that has gone out there and consistently lost actually otis has won a few matches believe it or not but uh, alpha academy as a whole or chad gable is on a big losing streak and i just wanted to say that triple h is a guy you know gable is a guy that triple h obviously relies on but could trip what does triple h see in him uh, I'm going to ask that to you guys real quickly after I kind of present the case of Chad Gable's last 10 weeks or so under Triple H and kind of just highlight it. So Raw, I mean, main event, right? He's had two main event matches in the last 10 weeks, 
and being three stars and for a main event match to be three stars, not to jump into like 205 live or velocity matches with Jake here. So it's kind of funny that he's here and me to gush about a, a WWE main event match. But, you know, Gable has two main event matches that are three stars, which are quote unquote good. The first one being with Alpha Academy against Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. And it was a nine minute three star match on uh on main event and i have it week 30 i don't have the date in front of me and then the other one being um against shelton benjamin and mustafa ali against alpha academy about a few weeks later and also being a three-star match i don't have a time step on that one because it didn't make my top five but you know if this guy's going out here and having main event matches okay we have nothing you want raw but go out and have main event match and he's just delivering he's just clicking on all cylinders so that's what he's doing on main event. And then on week 32, he wrestled Chiampa and Dolph Ziggler in a triple threat United States contendership match. And it went 10 minutes and it was three and a half stars. It was excellent. This is like the first week where Triple H kind of established the U.S. title. And of course, he relies on Chad Gable to go out there and deliver a great match. The week after, uh, week 35, right? A four star match against Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens wins in 11 and a half minutes. Four stars. It was the fourth best month of match of August. Week 38 of the year, Chad Gable versus Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano's return match from the year off or whatever, 14 minutes, four stars. It wasn't electric, but it was so fucking crisp. It was wrestled so well. And again, Johnny Gargano is a guy that hadn't wrestled in a full fucking year. And who does Triple H trust to go out there and shine? Of course, it's Chad Gable. Um, the Alpha Academy versus Johnny Gargano and Kevin Owens, um, week 40. So that's uh, I, just to kind of put a bow on that. That's the last week in September um, on Raw. 13 minutes, three and a half stars. This tag team match was excellent. Um, you kind of knew they were winning. You, you, they that uh, Gargano and Owens were winning, but it didn't matter. They went out there and Chad Gable delivered a three and a half star match. And you kind of felt that the Alpha Academy had a chance to win. That one's fresh in my mind as I watched it recently. And then, then on that, that, that later on in that week, uh, a three and a quarter star six man tag Alpha Academy with Austin Theory versus Drew Gargano and KO. Again. Just a really fun match to close a show. It, this was a Band-Aid smackdown in the in the uh, Canada where I believe this is the week where the, the Florida had the the uh, the hurricane. So they had like half the roster and they had to kind of put shit together. And of course, what does he rely on? Chad Gable in two fucking matches. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the guy's just a stud. And these are just, you know, matches that didn't make the top five or matches that he was relied on. Otis versus Strowman. On SmackDown, when I had that three and a quarter stars, that's above good. That's almost very good. And it's Braun Strowman versus Otis. Uh, yes, it's not Chad Gable, but Otis. Chad Gable is making Otis compelling. Otis versus Gargano. Short. It was a yeah, two and a half star match. But still, Gable making Otis. His presence, everything, his aura, his charisma, his star power, everything just kind of around Otis. Again, and Otis beat Gargano. Gable versus Ray about two weeks ago. It was short, but Ray needed a win before he went to SmackDown, right? Because he's been losing to the Judgment Day on Raw. And who does he go in there to win? Chad Gable. Um, pretty good match. I think I had that two and three quarters. And then I had last week, OC's returning. OC needs a match. Who are they going to face? Alpha Academy and Chad Gable. This is, this guy is just a linchpin. This guy is a staple. Um, 
Rossi, Rocco, Jake, anyone, what can they does Triple H can Triple H make this guy a next level star? He obviously likes him. He obviously relies on him. He needs him. Every I just mentioned three guys that return. Strowman, OC, Rey Mysterio needed a boost. He's filling out main event. Gargano, Kevin Owens needs to do good stuff. Let's put him in there with Chad Gable. So clearly Triple H sees him, sees a lot of value in him. Can he make him a next level star? I'll say real quick, I, I think he views him as the old thing that they used to say, um, they would put X-Pac in there to any new guy, right? And yes. if you can't have a good match with X-Pac, I think that's how he's treating this dude. And that shows you how much respect he has for him, right? And uh, Respect is the perfect word. Thank you. Right. And, you know, he's a legit dude. So I feel like even a guy like Brock probably has, you know, because like, he's that dude who's, he's legit, man. He's a fucking wrestler. And he's a little old. He's yeah. 36, so strap a rocket on his ass. He better do it pretty soon. But there's no there's no guy who can't get over in, in if you really want a, a guy who wrestles that well and has that charisma, which I'm sure nobody saw for years because he wasn't allowed to have it. I, I think there's nothing you can't do with a guy like that. Right. Like he could be in a lot of different roles. Like he's a heel right now. He could be a, the amazing baby face. He could be the yeah. big heel. So he could be the little dude controlling big, like he's doing now. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a way to make it whatever you want that guy to be. I think he could be, I think he's one of those guys. Now, Rossi, do you feel any organic buzz there with him? I, that was exactly what I was going to say. I don't. And I think that's what he needs. Um, he needs his Kofi Kingston gauntlet moment. Um, his Kofi Kingston, um, elimination chamber moment. He needs one of those to really get that groundswell going. Think about your Danielson push, um, which I've officially turned into calling him Danielson again. It's weird. Um, but that all came from the fans. Like that was him, him turning out banger matches and the fans wanted to see more of him. And then the, then him, embracing it and turning it into part of his gimmick. That's what got Danielson over. Um, but looking at Gable, he needs that moment like Kofi did. Kofi was lightning in a bottle too. Uh, Mustafa Ali was going to be that guy. Uh, that's the crazy thing to think about. But now it's, they wouldn't have gone all the way to Mania, I don't think, but who knows. Um, and then Kofi Kingston got that kick in the ass from the, having those big organic moments. Gable would need that, I think, to get brought to the next level or it just won't happen for him. And until that happens, it's the perfect spot for Triple H because the guy can be there. He can have the 20-minute match on Raw that he could never have on SmackDown because SmackDown's formatted to not allow anybody to have 20-minute matches um, other than the main event every once in a while. So he fits on Raw as the guy that helps everybody. He's in a heel role now. If they ever really wanted to get him clicking and firing, I think they'd have to get him over to being a babyface, which to bring it all together would have to be organic. Now, I got a perfect organic scenario for you, Jake Williams. How about we bring we mentioned mm -hmm. this lower pay-per-view schedule. Let's have King of the Ring as a month. How about we have go out there and organically have Chad Gable go out there and win a 32-man King of the Ring tournament? Would that organically get him over after WrestleMania? It could, I think. It's a tough, I think, when you have a guy who is pushing that way. It's kind of a double-edged sword because he is respected and they think highly of him. But it sometimes you feel like they think of him highly in that role. And and what I was going to say is if he doesn't, that's a, that's fine. Like, there's plenty of guys who have had fantastic careers. Like, not everybody has to be world champion. Like, you know, Tito Santana is one of the greatest of all time, and he was never 
the world champion. He was just kind of the same thing you're talking about. He's just somebody they could always depend on who was over. It could go out and have a great match that was just kind of all reliable, you know? And with the, and with an NXT, you send him down there. He could be a main event guy in NXT and just work with these younger dudes and really bring their fucking game up too. And that's always, that's a cool thing now with NXT the way it is where you can send a guy down there like that and throw some, throw some stink on him, throw some heat on him and, just helps, like you, Jake, saying, like, yeah, not every career needs to be, uh, you know, winning 50 championships. Sometimes you just make wrestling better than you will, than it was when you got there. Yeah, I just want to throw a little spotlight on him. Um, my thing of the week wanted to be a spotlight, but I turned into a rambling. So I'm going to throw it to you in a second. But I just want to put a bow on this and be like, hey, Chad Gable is out there killing it. And I just realized that Triple H is really relying on this guy. When I saw him throw the OC versus the Alpha Academy, I'm like, fuck, man, of course he is. And then just I'm like, let me look at what I got for Chad Gable in the last three months since Triple H kind of took over. And I'm like, wow, this guy is a staple in Triple H's booking week to week. And he's delivering. So I think that he would obviously he has Triple H's respect. I would wonder if, you know, get a Triple H push coming out of this. So oh, good stuff. We'll see coming out of it. All right. So, since I rambled, Rocco, do you have a thing for us this week? Hello. I got a thing that's very similar to what my friend Rod Red would normally do. It's a very football-type thing. We're going to do a report card. Uh, since Vince retired July 22nd, SummerSlam was July 29th. We were pretty much at three months of the Triple H era. And uh, I just want to get everyone's temperature, what they think. What Pretty much to boil it down to, like... How do you think, maybe like four categories, who do you think stock has risen? Who do you think stock has fallen? And like, what are the things, the changes that you really like since in the last three months? And what are the things that you still want to happen? And uh, yeah, just something quick, simple, just what's on the top of your head. And like, uh, where are you at with that? Jake, I mean, I know Lash Rue is not a wrestler currently anymore. I'm sure he would be on your upside of guys that would come in or something. <laughs> but what do you think about those categories in uh, the last three months? Yeah, it it's tough to say. I mean, you guys could probably speak on it better than me, but like one thing, I think we spoke about it earlier, like seeing a guy like Bray return and they're kind of still doing the Bray stuff, but like we said, that humanizing moment, I think more stuff like that, just to, to me, and I don't know if this is like particularly one guy or something, but just in the whole company getting away, like Rocco, you mentioned several times throughout the show, just like all these sort of Vince-isms that we're so used to and you can see them maybe move like even some that we're so used to that we maybe didn't even notice until they start to fade away are just starting to fade a little bit. And so to me, that is like the overarching thing I'm seeing with the, uh, you know, like letting the characters have their moments, maybe a little bit more reliance on certain guys that, you know, kind of more triple H's guys that he sees as great. The de-elevation of I, I, definitely Austin Theory is uh, <laughs> his uh, his stock has fallen as we've seen. So maybe that'll be mine. I'll go with Austin Theory. But yeah, just overall, you could see these certain things, and I don't think it's anything that's like dramatic, but it's definitely there. Yeah, Austin Theory. Austin Theory is kind of like the Lacey Evans of the <laughs> tantamount right, <laughs> right there, where it's uh, like, oh, you stole my stock uh, rot falling. I was oh, going to say, well, yeah. the. The fairness, the theory. He he's more of a on a kind of a journey, as like a you know he's on a 15 match losing streak and getting money in the bank. That could be a plan, not really a stock falling. It could be like an assumption that his stock is falling 
and they, you know, you pulls a curveball on them, maybe, which could be. That's what you tell. That's what you tell your parents when you, uh, when you flunk out in your second semester in college. <laughs> I just want to set myself up for a triumphant return. Yeah. It's just I mean, my plan. It's just my plan. Okay. <laughs> I mean, theory may have saved, but Triple H may have saved him from just dealing with the typical Vince, uh, make the money in the bank I lose for a year straight until he wins. So like. Maybe it is a, a stock rising because he didn't have to deal with that. He could go to NXT and actually probably have a really cool thing there. Yeah, my, but my, anyways, my stock falling would be Lacey, and my stock rising is um actually I got another falling too. Is kind of like New Day. Those guys just like are so uninteresting now. I just feel like Triple H wouldn't be interested in them. You know what I mean? So I feel like. Oof, you know, they're, Triple H has kind of been there, done that. He understands their star power in a way, maybe, and they just, he just has no interest in them. And then Lacey. But my rising? Ah, fuck, I don't know. There, there's so many to choose from, really, honestly. Um, fuck, I don't know. Uh, I would go Sammy. <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. think that Triple H could really – Sammy was on the rise even under Vince, but I don't think Vince would go with Sammy. But I think that Triple H could really find a lane to really go with Sammy. And, of course, KO, too, is a stock rising. So those are my two, Sammy and KO, Triple H's boys. Uh, what's what's funny is Triple H comes into tow. Um, he kind of brings that NXT mentality with him of, you know, let's get some of the younger guys over. Let's get these work rate guys over. And guess who gets over? Sheamus, um, who is, you know – there's a tons of fans out here out there that love Sheamus's work. I'm one of them. I know Ryan's one of them. The guy's always been solid. The guy's always had good matches, but it, all it took was a couple of weeks of getting this guy ready for a match with Gunther and putting it in front of a European crowd who loves both guys. And now the guy's a fucking rocket star again. Right? So very impressed with how that happened. And, and you would have thought that would have happened under a Vince regime, but just a little bit of added attention not taking a little bit of the geek away from um, Butch um, and giving more of the Pete Dunn back to him that turned that group babyface and it brought them all over at the same time. They're all over like Rover now and in a much better spot than they were under the Vince regime working a three minute match of mania that almost got time cut and pushed off of one day, which kind of piggybacks off the new day, right? It's crazy how Kofi and, um, and uh, Woods lost all their momentum because of a biggie injury. Um, that's basically what happened with them, too. Um, and stock down, Omas. Um, I know he's kind of getting geared up again for a Braun Strowman match, but, I mean, do we really think Omas is going to win that, right? So um, I think Omas has definitely got to be looking for um, something else uh, once uh, he loses to Braun because that's kind of the match that's there for Omas. And if that's not going to happen at Mania... Um, I don't think they're starting the build for Mania now. Then where's Omas's big payday again? Um, so that's the up, that's the down for me. And um, there we go. I like all those things. It's really funny I, until you guys mentioned that the New Day being kind of a thing that needs, like, it might be time for just a complete overhaul, right? They've been around for a while. I didn't really think about that. My guys, uh, I'm going to give a weird up to Veer Mahan because this is a dude who literally had a movie made about him. And Vince McMahon saw a foreign dude and went, he's got to grunt and be a monster who doesn't talk <laughs> and do and have shitty squashes. It's like this man had a movie made about his life. And that's all Vince McMahon could see. 
and they put him on Raw, and they didn't have anything to do with him, and they gave him that weird treatment. Now he's back in NXT, and it's like, oh, he's a good-looking dude wearing a suit with, like, a, a big friend. Like, that – and he talks, and he's a human being, and I think Sounds that's intelligent. the – Yes, yes. And like for, for like you want to talk about like a crossover star like this guy literally was a huge sports star. Like it's insane that they just went, nah, he's a monster. He's, he just grunts and he's a monster. So I think that's insane that this guy went from that to that in two weeks. And good, good luck to him, man. And Shotzi, of course, because that's she's playing the role she should play. Like, you know, Vince obviously saw her and went, no one's going to like a girl with tattoos. And you can only be a baby face if you're hot even though like plenty of people find her hot because she's an attractive woman and down definitely Lacey. I think Ezekiel is probably uh, on the down Elias on the up, but Ezekiel on the down. So yeah, my favorite thing is just uh, humanizing people. The, the idea of this Vince McMahon always wants to make superstars and larger than life people. When, when you, when you are more personal, people could get more into you. Like Bianca Belair, like I was talking about the bulimia thing. You know, many people watch that and when I can relate to that person now, I can't relate to this person like who never loses and like whatever this superstar idea that Vince always had for people. This is humanizing people. And you say something like that and a million people go, well, I've suffered through something very similar. And now she's a human being. And now I want to root for her. And now I see some of myself in her through my own struggles in life as a 40 year old man, not a 25 year old uh, woman. You know, like so it's I just like that part of it, humanizing the history of stuff being uh, brought to the forefront, mentioning stardom and dumb shit like that, which sounds so minor, but it's, it just really like goes, Oh, this thing I'm watching is part of the culture, not a weird cult that I've been sucked into for 20 years. So those are my favorite parts. So thank you guys for sharing. And, uh, Mike. Close this out. Yeah. What do we got for the indie corner here? All right. Now, now, real quick, Ryan, I also have to throw a quick jab that, unfortunately, another down is Madcap Moss. Um, I'm sorry, buddy. We got, hey, um, we hit our quota. Mark for We'll bookend it. And, you know, to, to your point, to your point, Rocco, another up is Michael Cole. Um, he's been way Ooh. more entertaining without Vince in his ear. All right. But anyways, uh, some quick um, indie stuff. So some restful news for New Year's weekend. Um, IWTV announced that they're going to do their super show which is going to be Friday afternoon, the, the 30th. Um, they, that's like 7 p.m. They're going to do a tournament to crown the inaugural IWTV Tag Team Champion, so that'll be cool. Uh, Prestige coming over from California is going to be 11 p.m. after that super show. Um, they announced their first match for Worcester, and it's the American Wolves of Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards going toe-to-toe with the Motor City Machine Guns of Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. So, um, from the looks of it, that that show is going to probably be the show of the weekend on paper um, with looking like they're going to open up the wallet there based off that one match. Um, and then that joins the previously announced Slade versus John Wayne Murdoch for ICW on the 29th and Alec Price versus Becker at Beyond. So we're starting to see that weekend come together for sure. Now, GCW been in the news per usual um, with the news of John Moxley's new contract with AEW. And the fact that AEW supposedly forbid their wrestlers for working for GCW moving forward. Um, they did do one last bit of business, though, because during Fight Club, um, W. Morrissey and Stokely Hathaway came out and uh, Morrissey beat the piss out of Moxley, which then allowed Gage to reclaim his GCW World Championship. It's not that Gage was working with them. It just kind of happened as Moxley was about to win the match. And then Gage came to and then won the title. So. So the gauge range is rain is back and it seems like Moxley's gone for now. Uh, Moxley did say that he will do other indie shows in the future. 
um, but kind of when he just feels like he wants to do one one weekend and just show up someplace. So uh, let's see what happens with that. Um, GCW is supposedly getting a new world title design soon, which I did get a picture of today. Um, looks really cool. Um, it's got a lot of like the countries that they've used that brought the title in like Japan and, and England and stuff, Australia. So you're going to start to see that title come to fruition soon. Um, and the GCW is back in action this weekend on Saturday in Detroit for a show drop dead which is headlined by a DLC match, which is a doors, ladders, and chairs match, Ryan. Um, that's between the Mega Bastards defending against uh, Los Macisos and the Second Gear crew. Um, Gresham's in town this weekend. He's working Yamato on Saturday night. Um, and Boosie, Bussy, however we want to say it, they're going to be back in action as well. Um, Sunday, they're in Columbus, Ohio for a moment of clarity which will feature John Gresham against Speedball Mike Bailey. That's a pretty badass match. Um, Yamato's got Blake Christian at that, and Ali Ketch is wrestling Blake Star- uh, Billy Starks. Um, now, the GCW-AEW conversation, guys, has me wonder, and not like this will ever fucking happen, but it made me think, WWE once had a relationship with Evolve. Um, GCW can't pull AEW names in. Um, let's just say, you know, Brett Lauderdale had a conversation with I don't know, somebody in NXT and they decided to do a little bit of a talent exchange um, just for shits and giggles. You guys could pick somebody to go from GCW over to NXT for like a match to like put somebody over or something or like something like that. What, who would you who would you pick? So GCW heading over to NXT for a couple shots. Joey Janela for me. Yep. I'm with you on that one. I have the same I, answer. Yeah, I mean, I would- I legit think Janela could be an NXT star sooner rather than later, and I think that he would work. I think that uh, he would. They would want to make him work, coming off of all that AEW buzz and AEW dropping the bag with him. And then he's just got this. I can see AEW or NXT kind of getting a little indie buzzy again in a way, especially with the momentum that they're growing again. And, you know, and Triple H and HBK are not against it with their past, of course. So I don't know. I just think he would work. I think he's perfect for it, and I'm here for it. Rocco, who you got? I love that idea. I think he'd be great if you let him have a little creative control as well, because he's a very creative dude, and uh, he's definitely get the fans on his side. Uh, I'm going to go Allie Catch, actually. I really like her. I think she's a really cool wrestler and has a really cool look, and uh, would be a really fun addition to uh, just be in that division and just bring something new to it. And uh, uh, it'd be kind of funny, because uh, she's an ex-MJF girlfriend as well, so a little fuck you to AEW as well. So uh, I think that might be something. But I think she rules, and I think she'd be a great addition to that uh, that crew. Also, yeah, a Chelsea, a Chelsea Green-Matt Cardona cr- combination, although I don't like Matt Cardona. I think that as a crew, actually, it might be better for like a main roster thing, but they could be pretty interesting in an NXT environment as a team together. Yeah, I think they could jump right into a feud with The Miz tomorrow and you wouldn't bat an eyelash, right? right. Um, so, so yeah, I agree with with a lot of that. Janelle is a great one. Um, now, what thinking about that when you were talking, Ryan, like grabbing a Janela who was kind of like a low-card uh, AEW guy, turning him into somebody that's making money with WWE, um, imagine what that could do for, like, that would do for the lower-level AEW guys the next time their contract comes up. The same level that the Cody thing did for the high end AEW guys and their contracts run out. So that's interesting. Um, that's definitely something to think about. I mean, I would I would like to see Effie in an NXT ring. Uh, um, I don't have an opponent for him right now, but they can figure that out. Um, that could be fun. And now flip. Let's flip that around. 
you have a NXT worker who you think needs to leave NXT and get a little bit more crowd seasoning, we'll say, over on a weekend shot in Atlantic City for GCW, um, who would you pick? Let's go Ryan first. I'll start. This is an easy one for me. It would be Quincy Elliott. I think that he's just made for that GCW environment, and I'm curious how they would react to him. I'm 100% serious. I think uh, I think that that would be gold. I think that would be gold. I think you're. I didn't even think of that, but he would be great. I think it'd be interesting. I think a, a Mandy Rose would have insane. She would have like Zack Ryder the first time he was in GCW kind of heat, maybe. That could Loki. I can see that Rocco her uh, building up a feud with uh, Alley Catch. Yeah, right. Imagine Mandy Rose changing in the GCW locker room. Ah. Oh my god. Jimmy, like it just it's think? not like they would have to like get her a private private room. Yeah, like Tino would be there with his arms crossed outside the room. Um, and um, Jake, you got one? Yeah, I was thinking Mandy Rose, too, just for the uh, like you guys said, for the Cardona vibe of just the fish out of water, like to have the most like uh, pristine kind of glamorous person in that in that uh, very gritty environment would be certainly interesting. Yeah, that would definitely be badass. Um Outside the box, one that I was thinking is like any of those like lower level guys that can just be a heat magnet. And um, I mean, not that he's a lower level guy, but I think Grayson Waller um, would walk into would walk into the showboat against like a match with Gage or something and just have that place fucking like like the Cardona level, like throwing trash at him type of deal. Um, I think he would be a good fit, too. That's all that I got. You know, we uh, we have a long episode here, so I wanted to keep this a little brief, but you guys went exactly where i hope to go with that and that was that was a fun little uh little thought process about something that'll never fucking happen how about brooks jensen be a little bulby cannon running him bring bring briggs in for a match with like mance warner or something yeah but really real i was gonna say mance warner if someone stole janella but i went i went first just to steal janella but um all right guys that'll do it for this episode jake Anything to plug before we get out of here? You've uh, a plethora of great audio that you always deliver to. And uh, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on. You were great. So uh-huh. go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, since we're on the north-south feed, I'll plug the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast. Comes out every other Tuesday. I am right now on the road to WrestleMania 19. We got Hollywood Rock. We have Austin's Return. We have Jericho Sean. That feud's building. So a lot of very, very memorable WrestleMania from that time frame and uh yeah so go and check it out cool rocco your band how'd the band go this week this past week had a great show this past week uh we got a week off and then uh we'll, we'll talk about it the next time but yeah we're just doing our normal thing and uh i got nothing else going on besides that and uh i am hollywood rock by the way jake so. <laughs> <laughs> excellent all right rossi what you got before we get out of here all right, man. Go to Vegas this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but but other than that, I'm going to come home, and, and while I'm on the flight, I'm going to put together our college basketball preview. Um, me and uh, Andrew Reich from the You Know What That Means AW podcast that runs the Fridays that we don't. Um, we're going to get together and uh, talk about the college basketball season. We had a lot of fun talking about the tournament um, last year, previewing that. So this year, I think our plan is going to be to do a preview of the full season. Kind of give you, you know, who our preseason favorites are for player of the year and things of that nature. Um, what teams to watch, what teams that are being disrespected. Um, and then we'll we'll meet back at the end of the year before the tournament and see 
um, how we did. So uh, it's going to be what we're going to do this year. I mean, it's not going to be an every week thing, but one at the beginning, one at the end, or right, one right before the tournament. I'm looking forward to recording with that with him next week, and I don't know if that'll be up before we record 11, but um, if not, you guys will hear me next in two weeks. Well, opening the forbidden door and going with the, uh, the AW podcast. We are. Vince McMahon would never allow me to do that. For my age group, maybe Super Clash would be more of a Stop the things you do. I don't know, man. I wouldn't trust that Reach guy. He's from New Orleans, and no, no one's really trustworthy to me. The guy's – I hope he's listening to this, but the guy's a sponge of college basketball knowledge. He, I, I messaged him and told him we were going to do it, and uh, he was like – within two minutes, he was emailing me like Google documents about like every team in the country. And The guy's crazy, and I'm looking forward to talking to him about uh, – <laughs> You know, if UConn's got a shot at actually being a Sweet 16 team this year. He's a good guy. He'll always give you a reach around. Get it? Reach. Cut that. Cut that. Reach. Start that from Reach. That's staying in. That was terrible. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. That's it for this episode. Thanks again, Jacob. We'll check you next time.